All right, well, welcome to the Cinnabums. Uh, this is our podcast about uh, canceling your plans and just watching movies. Um, this past month, I even called off work for a week, and I just watched movies. Happened to have a fever, but really, if there was movies weren't there, I probably would have gone to work with the fever. But, the, you know, the movies helped. I just watched a bunch of shit. And um, it was the first time I'd done that in a, in a while, too. You don't get that chance as mm. much in life when you get older. Yeah, I personally have been praying to get COVID so I could finish the rehearsal <laughs> and watch Godzilla minus one. So I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I did watch uh, the rehearsal when I was sick. And I will say it's great with a fever. Um, maybe yeah. even makes it better. Uh, also, Dune. Dune part one is better with a fever. You know, there's a lot of uh, movies like that. I can like see that. that. Yeah. A good dreary <laughs> sci-fi sand yeah, movie is good. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, it's hot on Dune or I don't even know if it's hot. It might be. But like, well, however, I don't, they wear a lot of clothes, so it, it might not be. But yeah, that's true. They are still in a it's like 4D or something. Is the planet called Dune? You just call it Dune. <laughs> I don't think it's called it exactly it was, like no. for Dune purists, but I feel like uh, I don't I know. Isn't like you. Dune? Isn't Dune, Why is it even called Dune? Arrakis or something like that. Just, I, I think, think Dune is. Oh, that sounds right. Arrakis well, I think that's maybe right. their home planet, maybe. But I think Dune is referring to the idea of that they're on now this desert planet, and he has to learn. And they're from doomed. The people. They're doomed there's, from the situation. There's a lot of dunes there with the worms going through. I there don't are. know. Those like the actual sand dunes. They're, they're. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't maybe know. Like it worms. I think worms would have been a better giant thing. worms and apes. you should call it worms <laughs> you should call it worm <laughs> that's a good uh a, a bummy joke but um yeah yeah, that's actually, right. I, yeah i'd like to write a full monologue uh like john did uh yeah i've already i've already written some jokes i, I was thinking about that too jokes for the bummies yeah yeah get, get i have to i thought it's joke coy on <laughs> yeah. but Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but maybe we could like uh just sidebar edit uh whoever edits the bummies uh, adds laugh casts and about um you know yeah uh reactions crowd like reaction a sitcom, shots. like a sitcom you know I can like, like groans knows. groans if there's something bad too you know we can yeah. cut to like <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper like you know, yeah. reacting to the jokes like at the yeah. Oscars when they cut yes, away. Yes, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. See. You. Or in like the real, the real of the joke or something. Yeah, yeah. We add. Man. True. Yeah. Celebs. The ideas just come out when we start recording. Yeah. But yeah, like I don't know anyone who knows the actual. Whoever, if you know the mythology of Dune and the specifics. I'm sure you know, most people do. I think you're just like a, are the key you're just like a fucking <laughs> you're a fucking nerd, basically. You've read the but, book. But yeah. It I is a cool name. I do think yeah, Dune a, is a cool name. It sounds a, like yeah. something. Yeah. It's like, oh, D Dune sounds sick. Like there's yeah, it there's sounds more like a cool. Awesome. Sound. Like Blade more, Runner, you know, Blade Runner is yeah, maybe yeah. the coolest name for a sci-fi like, movie. What ever. does that even mean? But it sounds yeah. so cool. Yeah, Blade Runner. Like, how does Philip K. Dick... Or I guess he didn't even come up with that, did he? No, no, he did. The book just uh, no, had a title. 
Yeah, I think it was Ridley Scott might have come up with it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, Android's yeah. Dream of Electric Sheep is the book, I think, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. We don't yeah. know sci fi well. We don't. <laughs> really don't. <laughs> yeah, Dune on its own is like. Uh... It's, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> like without the mythology, it's just, it's just like a cool thing. Yeah. Without knowing yeah. anything about it, uh, on who all these people are and the quest for energy on these various planets and, uh, who's it, the politics of it. Man, mm. every day yeah. I'm on a quest for energy. So I, I relate. <laughs> so it's so tie, it's a timeless retelling. Yeah. We're going to talk about other movies that are not on our top tens, uh, just to start. The outside looking in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I don't know. So, so whoever wants to go and ring that in first, uh, I don't know. Here, first, before that, um, I don't know. Like Jake, in terms of this past year of movies, mm. um, like I don't know. Like you think it was like a great year for movies or a good year for movies or an okay year for movies. You know, how does it compare to other years? You know, mm. that sort of thing. Kind of break down the year a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think personally it's the best post pandemic year for movies that we've had, like probably since 2019. Um, it was a year that made me really happy because it was a lot of, a lot of our favorite movies I think we're going to be talking about are like, made by auteurs or really passionate and up and coming like new writer directors that we really like movie star driven stuff. Like not a lot of like four quadrant blockbusters, which personally I think that's great that a lot of those bombed the Marvels and the DCs. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, for sure. That's and true. I think that's yeah, a really yeah. defining kind of, of what audiences want out of going to the movies now, even on streaming services, like killers of the flower moon, like the, possibly the greatest director on the planet had a movie go to Apple TV and like a lot of people watched it. Um, yeah, I think it's really exciting. Like a lot of my favorite directors made a movie this year that was really, really damn good. Um, um, so like, what do you yeah. guys, how do you guys feel about it? I agree. And uh, there's also a lot of, like, I, I thought like blockbusters I liked as well. Like the, what outside of the Marvels, there were like, movies that were sequels or blo and bl or blockbusters and they you know you'd think of them as like very generic but i thought they were also good yeah. um uh, i i also uh there were some good foreign films uh this year that i saw of course like last <laughs> you know after i yeah. watched <laughs> all the american <laughs> shit uh america yeah. first on this podcast yeah that's that's right yeah it's our colors <laughs> that's what we're all about yeah <laughs> you can yeah, do I like cinnabons like... with japanese colors too or like french colors and <laughs> to just yeah. to diversify us let's, yeah yeah let's get more cultured <laughs> um yeah i thought this year had like higher highs than the past few years i, I still think i need to see a few more notably like foreign movies uh yeah, before I really like feel I can't I don't think I could even name a twenty twenty two movie right now. Um <laughs> I yeah, kinda sure. can because there's like a lot that's on Amazon Prime that you guys talked about last year. And okay, maybe, uh, yeah. there were that a I might lot, try maybe. to watch after uh 
uh, you know, we're done with this. Uh, like, for instance, like after Yang is on Amazon Prime, and I remember mm -hmm. John talking about how much he liked it, and Jake, you did too. And there's wow. a lot. There, yeah. Yeah, Good I memory. There. I, I would have never pulled that movie, but that was that was. But you was your last last like top fifteen, I think, yeah. or something it was like, like that. Yeah, my so, number. Yeah, I think of twenty twenty two. I think of like Top Gun Maverick and RRR mainly. Oh, in the yes. Yes. I, I think I think I think of only Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, like but that's like, the defining movie of that year. Like um, no question for sure. It's interesting, is like, you know, I think back to 2022 and Quentin Tarantino says that thing where it's like, no, no, I'm thinking about 2019. Sorry, but uh he says this what was you're, what when, you're saying is prevalent to this year, I think. Yes, it is, but I'm just saying where the quote came from, mm -hmm. where he's like studios or original filmmakers with original content took a last stand against, you know, big budget uh, superhero movies or just franchises and yeah. stuff like that. And I kind of now in ways uh, look at that every year as in like, okay, how did that war, that ongoing battle that's in the industry go down? I think that's one of the things I find interesting. And in terms of like, uh, you know, obviously with if only Barbenheimer happened this year, we would like, you know, to say that they won the war based off of that, because uh, those movies ruled the box office. And as you said, superhero movies sucked uh, this year. Yeah, and it's like Barbie is technically an IP movie, uh, but it's like wholly original in the way it's told. And that movie like demolished Mission Impossible, which is a huge IP movie. Like the movie yeah. lost yeah. a lot of movie. And I love that movie, but it's kind of crazy how like I think audience expectations have shifted like a lot. Like they don't yeah. care about Tom Cruise, yeah. the movie star, even though he just had the most highest oh, yeah, he, movie. Of he last owned year the last year. Yeah. Yeah. But people, Barbie's a high concept movie that was talked about a lot. So it's, yeah. it's really fascinating. Yeah. I really enjoyed the whole Barbenheimer like month um, that we had. I thought that was fun. And going to the theater and seeing like people really get into it. Um, yeah, it was yeah. like it felt like uh, like olden times, um, but it's good. But yeah, that's why I think there are like higher highs in this year than other the previous years. year. Yeah, even yeah, even if like the quality was still great in twenty twenty two and twenty twenty one, but yeah, the the highs were just really high this year, and just a lot of big directors uh, with movies this yeah. year. So yeah, yeah, no, it was cool. Like I think that as the lists go through, we'll like. Um, I, even as I look at my list, I'm like, dang, like there's so much uh, variation and variety. Like it's so much variety among uh, all the movies that I picked. Uh, and they're all pretty good in their own unique way. Um, that being said, also, I watched a lot of trash this year. So just to say when we if we do worst <laughs> movies of the year, um, I watched a lot of bad ones because I noticed that. Uh, especially when you're trying to cram some movies towards the end of the year, they really put out a lot of the shitty ones for free on streaming, like right away. And a lot of the yeah. good ones you have to rent or find, like it always seems uh, that way, at least for me. Yeah. I looked at your list and I saw like movies that Netflix tried to crater into their system and just stuff <laughs> that no one else has watched that I know. And like, I couldn't even think of the titles, but it was just kind of just yeah, yeah, like late season Oscar dumpage. 
and it was good. Yeah, was the bottom. The bottom is very large of yeah. my list. It's kind of like uh, it's very bottom heavy. I don't know, though. a communist country or something. <laughs> like <my> <laughs> everyone's just at the bottom in my yeah. list. <laughs> trying to get to the, trying to get to the poor thing spot, but they can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oppenheimer is the dictator, <laughs> which actually sounds like a dictator, you know. <laughs> it does, yeah. All right, but let's do those honorable let's, mentions. Uh, yeah, I've got it. a few. Who wants to start it off? Go ahead. I'll start. All right, well, okay. I'll go through this fast. I just had a few in mind and I forgot. Uh, okay, <laughs> first thing, I know you guys for sure both watched uh, The Curse. Um, so yeah, that's yes. not a movie, obviously, but I'm gonna, I think I'm, I'll throw out a, a series, a comedy special, and a movie. Uh, honorable mention um so yeah the curse great uh great different series uh really glad that people like nathan fielder and benny safty are like teaming up to do uh do something like that and it's one of those that i watched all the q a's and there's uh, a lot yeah like nolan nolan interviewed them too i actually haven't seen that one yet yeah Yeah. i really want to watch that i haven't seen any but like I, i it's hard to start with how many there are yeah, right. Yeah. Film at Lincoln Center, all that stuff. Yeah, so that was great. Uh comedy special from this year is uh Joe Para, Slow and Steady. Um oh. yeah, I think it's it's all on YouTube. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, Joe Para, I don't know if you guys did you guys watch his adult swim show at all Joe Para talks about. I've you? seen clips of it, yeah. That was like a pandemic like comfort show for me and a lot of people. Um, and he just does, he just has this like wholesome old man style of like comedy. Like he's, uh, mm-hmm. it's just very like comforting. Um, and he would even, he even, I, there's like so much crowd work nowadays, with comedy on social media and everything, but he had a couple of crowd work moments that were just so funny and just like, uh, totally his style. And he just has such a unique, um, character that he plays. It's different than, um, just some guy up there standing with uh with a mic complaining about life and cancel culture and stuff so uh yeah joe para slow and steady great comedy special and then a movie i'll you know what i'm gonna say honorable mention is uh the new scream i liked the new scream movie i liked the new york setting um i know i was kind of like indifferent after the previous one but it, in this one, I think I got to like the characters a little bit more. Um, and I thought there was some great, um, just great specific scenes specifically with like, uh, the ladder going across the two. Uh, yeah. Two yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was just a, another fun slasher that all the, the screen movies usually, usually are. Um, so yeah, I liked it. Yeah. And I thought it was stupid that they fired, the one main girl for saying stuff about Palestine. Yeah. Uh, Unreal. One, because it's like she's not, you know, saying anything like terrible or wrong. And two, it's like, does anybody remember like everyone's opinion about like a war going on? Like, I don't know. Yeah. If they didn't say anything about it, I probably would have never known about it. Um, not that it would have affected my enjoyment of Scream. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Yeah. I thought that was that was stupid, but um, yeah. But otherwise, I, I did enjoy the movie. So yeah, I enjoyed it. Those movies are pretty on point. That one was pretty on point. Uh, 
I don't think I needed it, but like, I think like what they're doing is yeah. all pretty like, yeah, solid. Like everyone's good in it. They're fun. They, I, they go full on with the violence that in yeah. a whole another way. And, uh, the New York thing is cool for sure. Uh, yeah. The subway scenes I, I really like too. That was great. Um, but those are super tense. Um, yeah, but yeah I mean, it is a little like uh star Warsy with, uh, like, who's related to who and everybody like it's yeah. uh yeah they're kind of making it it's kind of funny they yeah. took a page out of yeah the force awakens playbook yeah yeah right yeah and like uh, force awakens they're just very watchable kind of they distract you for two hours and you kind of forget mm-hmm. about them a day later type of movies anyway so yeah, yeah. right uh, the new yeah. one was I, I thought it was really solid too yeah i think that's all my all my honorable mentions good stuff all right, um, I'll go. Uh, I've got a few uh, honorable mentions. My, where do I start? I think my first honorable mention is uh, uh, Bradley Cooper's Maestro. Um, I think like this movie's like so mixed, but and it, it you know, it, if I saw like five less movies or in the top 10, I probably would have put it in there or something like that. But I believe Maestro deserves like recognition despite it's uh, uh, how criticized it is. And despite it's like flaws, because I think it's just like a really such an ambitious work of film and like Bradley Cooper is like killing himself for it. And I think that you'll see, a lot of I would like when you're watching it, it's crazy because I'm like, this is an Oscar nominated performance. And then in terms of like, I don't know, in terms of how the film looks and how it's directed, it almost feels to me like I'm watching a Spielberg movie and mm-hmm. but maybe more one of the like boring ones that I'm not as into, like the post or some shit. It's like Amistad or something. Yeah, it's like historical yeah. kind of. It's so like yeah. it's so like for his directing it is so Spielberg influenced to me. And then he's just going all out with this performance. Um, but yeah, I definitely did not watch this. Yeah. I definitely didn't watch this movie where I was like, I wasn't not in, in it the whole time. There were a lot of points where I fell out of it for sure. Uh, and also like uh, Jake, you mentioned the other day we were talking in the car and like you said, yeah, there should be more like music uh, you know in in maestro <laughs> and there should be more of him actually like you know being a genius rather than just character it over characterizes this relationship and stuff like that um but there's just something about this like autobiographical nature of cooper making this movie and what a big like another big step for him as a a filmmaker it is and then the idea that's also produced by martin scorsese and spielberg and that they were like gave him the reins like there's just something so cool about everything maybe behind this movie to me rather than as much the film itself um yeah one of the most i think it's just like i'll bring it up as an honorable mention just because it's one of the most uh interesting movies to come out the whole year i would say there's a great yeah. story of Spielberg being on the set of Stars Born and he saw Bradley direct the shallow sequence and he went up to him after that and he's like, You're fucking directing the Maestro movie. It's like you're yeah, perfect for yeah. it. And I feel yeah. like that might have been 
I also like the movie, but I feel like it might have been a false confidence sort of situation that propelled him to kind of go up his own ass in some ways. Yeah, but... I'm. Yeah, I mean, you watch this film, and he, he's clearly wearing uh, too many hats, Bradley Cooper, yeah. and uh, <laughs> you know, clearly, and clearly, you're like, oh, Cooper's a definitely a fucked up guy because he's going so <laughs> all in on this. Um, but I like that stuff. I like I like mm. that. I think that's that's really it's cool. exciting. Yeah. And Bradley Cooper is like, I I like I like him. I'm a huge fan. I and I think I like people who go for it. Uh, so that's partly why Maestro is one uh, on honorable mentions. Uh, another one is uh, actually uh, Creed three. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, the last. Uh, Jonathan Majors, who is currently in a bunch of trouble, um, it's a shame. It's a shame because uh, I thought Jonathan Majors is fantastic in Creed three, and I Amazing, like yeah. I like Creed three a lot. It's funny how like you don't you remove Stallone from the Creed franchise, and you put Michael B. Jordan in the director chair. You you think okay, this what can this really be? Like this got to be there's got to be some like. I don't know, cash grab or self-indulgent or something, but I was in on Creed 3's story from the get-go. And um, yeah, just thought it was so good. It was so much better than I expected. The fighting um, sequences were nuts. Like how cinematic yeah. and kind of cartoonish they were. It's like a really bold yeah. directing choice yeah. from Michael B. Yeah, it's a really effective movie. Okay, and then one more. Uh, this movie... Uh, Bear just just didn't make the top ten. Um, it's right on the border. Um, it's uh, thank God. <laughs> no, are you there, God? It's me, <laughs> Margaret. <laughs> it is a wordy uh, based, title. Yeah. Based off the Judy Bloom uh, novel, uh, this movie's so damn good and uh, could have made the top ten if I just didn't like a few others more and. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just the type of movies we always need to come out every year. Wholesome, indie, funny, charming with very, you know, with movie stars in it and, you know, stuff that like. And uh, yeah, it's like a timeless story. And I actually I've read this book because Jake, you loaned it to me. And uh, like the movie makes the book like turns the book really into a movie. Mm -hmm. um in, a, in in like the best way when the book is mainly just letters of a girl like questioning things like her religion you know her religion who she is like going through puberty as a girl and all this stuff I, it's just uh the movie really takes that and uh explores everything on the screen and in a uh charming way that's meant for a movie uh so yeah yeah that 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 one's very great i highly recommend it as well to those who haven't uh seen it me too. Yeah, those are my honorable mentions. Cool. Yeah, great picks. Um, I'll do what John did. I, I have a few shows I just want to talk about really briefly, but um, probably my favorite piece of content that just came out this year was Beef on Netflix, uh, which was yeah, absolutely yeah. brilliant in my opinion. Just like pitch perfect, completely realized characters and screenwriting and storytelling and just... Yeah has so much to say about current like social dynamics and like economic sort of gaps between two people that are seemingly so different, but in the end they kind of come together in a really profound yeah. and fucked up way. Yeah. It's just such yeah. a brilliant show. 
Um, yeah. I highly, it's one season. I highly recommend it. Steven Young and Ali Wong are both just incredible. Um, also goes without saying, but the bear season two was just brilliant in my opinion. Also yeah, just improved uh, the first season on every conceivable level. It has so much heart. It has so much humanity injected into a show about a beef sandwich restaurant that you would never expect it to have um i just i've rewatched season two time and time again it's become like an inspiring piece of television for me and the episode where rich richie works at that restaurant is like probably like up there yeah i'd love to rewatch that episode yeah Yeah. like up there with succession as like the best episode of television i saw this year so Yeah, yeah those are the shows and then real quick with a movie um uh, I just want to talk about Bottoms real quick. I think we don't get a lot of comedies nowadays. I actually showed this movie to Luke a few months back and just an incredible homage to like 90s, like slapsticky, ridiculous comedies that we don't get at all anymore. And it had like so many up and coming like gals that are just hilarious. And yeah, they clearly wrote a lot of the jokes on set. It's just such a great collaborative, infectiously funny movie that Marshawn Lynch is like brilliant in it. It's like yeah, insane yeah. how fucking funny he was in it. And I just I could see myself watching this movie uh, a whole lot in the next coming years. Um, and lastly, um, a re- kind of on a downer note, but a movie that was like really blew my socks off was How to Blow Up a Pipeline, which came out. Yeah, like, I, oh, that was partly going to be on my honorable mentions as well. Yeah, but. I saw you watched it. That movie is just exhilarating on yeah. every level and got like really yeah. extremist like piece of filmmaking that's like insane yeah. how that it exists yeah. in the world um, yeah and like just like oceans 11 kind of like dialed up to a very like important cause and a very mm-hmm. emotion comes from like a really emotional place from everyone involved you can tell and just the storytelling and the filmmaking is just incredibly impressive for a lot of amateurish people i guess um and yeah i just i think a good time capsule for 2023 um and just in you know, just in terms of where we're at and everything. So yeah, yeah, I just wanted to shout out those and yeah, those are my honorables. Yeah. That movie cool. ends in a, like where it says, uh, this was in, it's not really a spoiler, but they say like, this was in self-defense. Mm-hmm. It's like a wild, wild, ra- <laughs> wildly radical movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just like, just straight up leftist propaganda made into a movie and Hollywood's obviously really left leaning. So it makes sense why this movie was made, but, but even much great. more, this is goes much it's, more than it that. It goes yeah. so much deeper than you'd expect. And all the characters are so rich too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just highly recommend it to everyone. If you're it's interesting, a, both, uh, both times, uh, I went to the Denver film festival for Cinebums that, uh, director, um, oh, was really? it Goldhopper, Daniel Goldhopper? Yeah, he was there, and in each time, well, I didn't know who he was the first time. He was there for Cam. Cam, yeah, uh, Cam's great. Yeah, and um, uh, and that time, I remember like not knowing he was a filmmaker, and I did kind of like I was just like walking around the red carpet area, not having a, any idea what to do. Luke, I think you were at the other theater at this point, and uh, I did the <laughs> whole, I did the whole, oh. <laughs> thing past him and then i end up like watching the red carpet thing and i was like oh my god that's the guy that uh, <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> i didn't think yeah but then i saw him the next time and i was like oh it's cool that that guy's still um i really like the game, working so cool. he was <laughs> yeah he's, do he's the, doing stuff do that no, i, oh, okay. I should have i was like do you remember me i'm the guy that we like 
Oh yeah, we did the you crowd seem like dance. A really cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> what you working on? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm oh, still doing. Know. I'm still doing podcasts. Did a. I did a closet <laughs> Same old episode. Stuff, did a closet you know. episode too. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to do another one and pick your movie out of the closet. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Wouldn't it? <laughs> I'll pick your movie out of the closet. <laughs> Get him on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, I, yeah, we have that connection now, so <laughs> that'd be a big get. <laughs> but yeah, then the shows like um, it's crazy how beef, you know, is maybe the best show of uh, the previous year with all that uh, came out uh, like with yeah. Succession, Succession's and final season, the bear and uh, Barry for me was uh, a Barry. I one. forgot that. Yeah, that was a great. Yeah. yeah, that was up there, too. I might be missing some, but like. Yeah, but still, after all that, like, because beef was so early on, I think it was like one of the first things I watched in the new year, actually. And it came um, out like in February or something of last year. It was so quick. Yeah, and I, I think I, I think it still reigns as uh, the best one for me. Like, it was so good. Yeah, it's a big year for shows about beef. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, start us off, John. Top tens. Oh, sure. Oh, I didn't know what I was getting myself into by uh, volunteering to go first. <laughs> um. All right. Well, yeah, my top ten. This is a this might have been one of the first. This is for sure one of the first movies, if not the first ones I saw uh, this year. And it's John Wick four. Um, yeah, I was, I was struggling to figure out what to put in the 10 spot. I think like that nine and 10 spot was hard to, I could have said all those for honorable mentions too, but, um, but yeah, I think I just went with John Wick because, uh, I, I think it adds to like Luke was saying, the variety of list. I think this adds to the variety of, of my list a little bit. This is There's sort probably of no other fun. movie like it on the list. Yeah. 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 It's <laughs> no it's way like there a, is. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a video game uh, movie, yeah, basically. Yeah. You, you kind of, it's this own, it's its own world. Everybody uh, knows it at this point that um, they can really do whatever they want. And uh, I just thought there was really some great uh, action set pieces in this, great settings. They These always just look so good. They're just like a visual yeah. feast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's really just the choreography of all the, the stunts and the action is just... Uh, it's just so hard to to not be entertained by it. So, uh, yeah, I think I think each one I'm like amazed when I see them in the theater, and I I never know which one is you know my favorite or anything. Right. But, um. Yeah, but I thought this one was just as great as they all uh, have been, and um, and yeah, and 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 even I I'll forget like any if you if you try to think of like realist like how this fits into like the real world, it just doesn't. And you have to let go of that, like how they could be in this heavily populated area in Paris with this huge shootout and everything and and nobody talks about it or there's no police or any, you know, all that stuff. You throw it out the window or how he falls down the steps like yeah, he... so comedically. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just just balls to the wall, fun entertainment. Um, and I'm sure a ton of work goes into the all that choreography of the stunts and everything. So it's cool to see a movie that's really focused on that. So 
Yeah, yeah that's my number Donnie two. Yen's really cool. The stairwell, the stairwell yeah. final set piece is really cool. The they kind of do the same location. I feel like it that Paris like the craziest. Uh, what what do we call those? Like the the roundabouts. Yeah, roundabout, the roundabouts. I think. The yeah, roundabout yeah, like the Paris, craziest yeah. roundabout you'll ever see. Like that Mission Impossible also does. They do this in their own way. Um, yeah, there's so much. Uh, so much cool stuff in this. I feel like this one out of all of them felt the most epic in scale. Like it was, it was like him trying to do like an old school epic, just in terms of how many the variety yeah. of locations, like jumping from Japan to Italy and then France in the end. Like it's just crazy how vast this movie is and how big it feels. And it all stems from like a really small contained movie, for like the for the first one. It's kind of crazy yeah. how far they branched out and yeah, yeah this was this might be like the final movie of the franchise and honestly might like it couldn't have gone out on a better note like it was such a gorgeous and just yeah and it, 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 it also ends in a very like both western and kung fu yeah. spiritual movie sort of way like that's kind of what it reminded me of yeah, yeah, it's a like duel at the end. It's like a yeah. very Linden scene or something. They have it's like really breathtaking. The wherever they are, and then the sun is setting. It's yeah. yeah, kind of beautiful and also ridiculous at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great pick. I it was also on. It was in my top like twenty twenty five for honorable mentions. It's probably the best or my favorite action movie that came out uh, in the twenty twenty three. For sure. Nice. Yeah. It's my number 10. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You are okay. Nice. My number nine is, I mean, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. my number 10. <laughs> jumping the gun a bit. <laughs> <laughs> my number 10 is also my favorite action movie of 2023. It's, uh, Sophia Coppola's Priscilla. Yeah, no, I was, was oh, <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> it is the zone of interest. I would put it against John Wick any day as an action <laughs> film. <laughs> but um But yeah, like uh Priscilla, it was between this and Are You There God? Yeah, and I just went with this because like I think Priscilla really um maybe affected me more on a personal level when I was watching it. It was I just found uh I just got so much so deep into this story I remember and it's so intimate and it's so beautiful and it's so such a perfect like um I guess like vision of this uh this of this actual of the way this actually went down it's uh perfect for Sofia Coppola um and uh yeah yeah I just re mm -hmm. really like Priscilla yeah i feel like it's sofia coppola making it she's going really back to what makes her movies great which is a yeah. lot of very a lot of very kind of isolating set pieces with a very kind of troubled young woman dealing reckoning yeah. with her loneliness um yeah. so in a lot of ways it's her going back to basics but one of her i think most just well-constructed movies and just more like yeah. entertaining i guess you could call it and like the costuming, the sets, it's all like very like Sofia Coppola esque. So it was it was great to see her yeah. like fully yeah. envisioning this story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's just like an interest to begin with. It's interesting to tell. 
this story from the perspective of this young girl, Priscilla Presley, but also just the way Sophia bring us someone like Sophia Coppola and to go about it in her unique ways, like adds a whole another layer to it, which is uh, what I liked. And uh, yeah, it's such a return to form for her after making like that on the rocks movie, which is so <laughs> nothing and does not need to exist <laughs> at all. Oh, um, I kind of dug it. Maybe it was COVID. Yeah. It was like COVID times. I needed something. Very medium, medium <laughs> on it, you know. Like, yeah, that's it is a medium movie. Yeah. Did you see Priscilla, John? I have not seen Priscilla. That's one I forgot about. I feel like I saw the trailer for it at every movie I saw um, this year. But I, at least for me, it seemed like it came and went. Like I don't, I don't really remember it being in theaters. Um, but yeah, I do hope to see it at some point, though. Yeah. Yeah. You've seen yeah, it, Jake? Jay- I have. I again, top twenty. Great movie. Mm. I, I love Sophia Coppola is another director that I'm so happy she had a movie come out this year. It's like and it got like a return to form, as Luke said. She's pumping yeah, out. Yeah, and this stuff. one's definitely way more under the radar, which is why, like, say John, you haven't seen it, but it's you know, another like auteur movie um with like a like a big concept in a way in its own way but it's mm-hmm. yeah it's told very like understatedly you know and so yeah exactly fashion, exactly you know? yeah, which is what's cool yeah it doesn't yeah. necessarily demonize anyone it's very just kind of presents itself which i just loved yeah is uh does tom hanks show up in like a fat suit <laughs> and <an> accent <laughs> yeah he's trying to kill then, jacob then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a nice yeah pick. that's uh that's priscilla Good stuff. My number 10 is at, at one point, this was a lot higher, which is, you know, a lot of other movies have come out, but uh, The Boy and the Heron by uh, Hayao Miyazaki, which I'm assuming is on your guys' list if you've seen it. It's just a tour de force. That's my number, that's my number nine. So we can like, so you can talk about it. Yeah. Too. Yeah. It's like my 11 or so. It's, it's okay. close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hayao Miyazaki just means a lot to me. And I think a lot of us out there, and this is his final movie. Um, it was just, oh, it was just, it, so they say, um, we'll see. But I feel like this movie encapsulated like a lot of the things he's just interested in, you know, like family dynamics and legacy war and kind of like childhood alienation, kind of what you were saying with Priscilla in a weird way. Um, and it kind of just goes down this wormhole of exploration and self-discovery and it gets really fucking crazy. Um, which I was so delighted by. Like it's such a, it's such like a primal experience at the movies when you see this movie and just the score is just incredible. The visuals, like everything's hand drawn. Of course, um, you know it's Miyazaki. It's like I have to put this movie on the list. It's but probably not in the top latter half of his movies in terms of quality, but it might be like his most ambitious movies in Spirited Away and just all the things that he's trying to tackle and how many risks it takes in the storytelling and everything. Um, but yeah, you guys can chime in. I, I absolutely loved it. I'm just, I was just, it was really special to have a Miyazaki movie come out this year, you know, and um, like, cause he's one of those artists that's not gonna be around forever, similar to like Scorsese and people that made movies this year. So yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I mean, like he's in his eighties at this point, isn't he? Late eighties. Yeah. He's, yeah. That's, he's up that's there. crazy. But yeah, I mean, there are are just so many like uh, heavy hitter directors 
this year that I didn't even like when we were talking about that earlier, I didn't even think about Miyazaki. Uh, but yeah, this, this one was just like most of his movies just, yeah, it's really ambitious and, uh, and emotional. It, get, it gets kind of to like a, a core that a lot of, um, and it just seems so specific to him that you really get out of, of watching his movies like spirited away or something. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those that, uh, I kept thinking about a while, like the next few days after I saw it. Um, and, and also uh, thought about a lot too, because there was a lot that I just didn't really understand <laughs> or get in the moment too, that it makes me want to like go back and see again. And uh, yeah, just, yeah. Really good though. Just missed my top 10. Yeah. I heard this movie in like Japanese means, I don't know, like the boy who's, I don't know where you, I forget what it means. It's like where you're loot. It's more about loss, the title, rather than the boy and the that's the original Heron, Japanese like, title. Like the boy and the yeah. Heron is only the American American title. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's like really, uh, but yeah, that's what the core of it is. Um, and uh, but yet, yeah, like yeah, like you said, uh, John. There's so much. This movie goes down so many rabbit holes that you're like, I don't understand that. <laughs> it's yeah. like it keeps diving into it, but it's so the world building is so crazy and um, and imaginative, and uh, it only will come something like that only comes from uh, Japan, like this unexplainable uh, imagination that this guy has. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was great to see in a movie theater as well. Um, I've never seen one in a movie theater and it just felt uh, so right, you know? Yeah. I think it's, it's like one of the pure pieces of like art where it's like, you can't comprehend how it was made and it had, it's like a canvas of just a million different sort of strokes that you can't always parse out. But like when you do emotionally kind of connect to a thread, it just becomes like the most rewarding thing ever. And that's why I love his movies. Cause like, they're not, nothing is spoon fed. Like it's a lot of abstract sort of uh, things that a lot of different people grasp onto. So yeah, the man is good at what he does. So <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah that's what name. I like about his movies in general is that they're not the easiest to just like comprehend. They're just not like basic <laughs> straightforward. They're uh, yeah. They're just a lot more interesting than your standard just animated uh, movie like this. It's it's yeah. the, it's just way different than it makes me like think about Pixar and like I think Pixar they're great they're great storytellers and everything, but this is just something so which I guess Pixar I would is what I'd normally think of like the American like mm -hmm. um, yeah standard of like it's the yeah, standard yeah animated quality yeah and it's just yeah it feels so different than that and so unique so yeah. Good pick. I'll, I'll be talking about a Pixar movie if we do the worst of the year. So we'll table. <laughs> oh, that. wow. Uh, oh, I forgot a Pixar movie came out this year. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yep. <laughs> Pretty rough, but yeah, that's my number 10. And my number nine. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then my number nine, um, which I actually just looked and I, uh, I, I doubt this will be on either of your lists, I guess. Um, but my number nine is uh, Bo is Afraid, the new Ari Aster movie. Uh, and I, I feel like this is a very divisive film this year. Yeah. Um, and, and, and while watching it, honestly, I was kind of conflicted of as to whether I <laughs> liked it all that much. And 
and there would be something that would, um, well, I mean, as if you've seen Bo is Afraid, you, you kind of get the gist. And if uh, you know anything about it, it's about this uh, extremely anxious, agoraphobic, ambivalent guy uh, played by Walking Phoenix, um, who who does obviously he's going to play this character really well. Um, and yeah, I think there were there were um, there were certain things that I could see why. Uh, it maybe wouldn't resonate with someone or wouldn't, it would just bother them or uh, also be a little bit too long. I could see that, but um, this was something that I, um, uh, as it kept going on, I was feeling like that, like discomfort that, um, that like a movie that you feel like seen by a movie, but it's not really seen in the way you want to be seen. Uh, and I think, nowadays like our generation we everybody has like their sort of like mental health resume of like all the stuff about them like everybody focuses a lot on mental health which i think is great and then uh this movie happened to strike some chords that i just it just recognized stuff that like my sister and i talk about with our childhood specifically the the themes of like family guilt uh and mm -hmm. which is heavily prevalent with uh Bo's mother uh, in this and, um, and also just the general themes of like, um, not, li you know, living, but not living a life and just the mm -hmm. sort of mundane, uh, a mundane lifestyle and that, and just the agoraphobia that Bo kind of lives with. Um, a lot of that just to an extreme degree, I felt like connected with me. And I feel like maybe if it, if it doesn't necessarily and I, I could just be talking out of my ass, but if it doesn't necessarily fit with how you feel towards the world sometimes, or you feel about towards your family, that maybe it would, it would just seem like an annoying mess. Um, but yeah, this was one that I, that after the fact, I was just, I felt like uncomfortable, but in like a way that I felt uh, like uh, understood in a way. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that, maybe that I'm trying to sound like more profound than, uh, than I am, but uh, but yeah, that's why it's my number nine because I, I really think after the fact, like really thinking about it, that I, I felt there was like a there was something there that like struck a chord with me. Um, so yeah, yeah, and I'm curious what you guys think because I saw Luke, you gave it a little bit lower of a score on Letterboxd. <laughs> the letterbox call out, yeah, like I definitely like relate to Bo is Afraid, uh. But like, I think I just like didn't vibe with it, you know, totally like, like the, mm -hmm. I don't know the difference there. Cause yeah, I, I definitely can like, I've been a very isolated person who would like walk outside one day and then see a car across the street and be like, Oh my God. You know, like that's why I, <laughs> yeah. I totally like get it, you know, and stuff like the over the absurdity of it. And uh, I definitely thought like, there were definitely so many things where I was like, you know, that's fucking hilarious watching Joaquin like freaking out all the time. But yeah, I just thought it was like a little. I also I did watch this while I had a fever. So let's <laughs> oh, well, that's that what in, I, yeah. let's keep that in <laughs> mind as well. Um, and it's, you know, it's long and I'm like yeah. have a headache and a fever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I felt the movie was I just felt it was long um, and I didn't I wasn't like super into the I, I thought like the mother shit is like you know works and is relatable but it's like too much of it and towards the end and 
Yeah. Um, I'm, ju- I'm just like mixed on it. You know what I mean? Like I definitely like it more than uh, Midsommar by Ari Aster. That movie I like probably hate. Um, and then <laughs> like I don't like think it's great like hereditary necessarily. But yeah. could I rewatch Bo is Afraid? Probably. But I probably won't. It's so long. <laughs> so And I'm not like super interested. But uh, I kind of want to wish I was in that category of uh, – they, of the people who loved Bo's Afraid. That's like what I was going for uh, when I watched it. I think I'm like right yeah, in, the, in the middle of both of you because um, I'm like kind of what Luke was saying. I'm pretty mixed on Ari Aster as a director to begin with. Um, but I saw this movie in IMAX and I think that's like the optimal way to experience this movie because it kind of yeah. just washes over you and the absurdism um, like works on about half the audience and I feel like it's like a really infectious sort of collective kind of experience of everyone kind of manifesting their anxiety in this movie because like there's so many like you were saying John like these kind of generational trauma aspects of this movie that are really hard to sort of portray on screen but somehow he pulled it off so to me like it's really rough around the edges but the the, the sort of primal anxious feelings that he co- conveyed and also credit to Joaquin, who's incredible in the movie. Like, I think that's like a really good achievement. I just think it needs to be cut down like by a lot. And I think some things were dialed up to a little bit too much, but I'm in the camp. I think it's really great. Um, I also, when I saw this movie in theaters, I saw Christopher Nolan at the theater. He was buying popcorn right next what? to me. So that enhanced <laughs> my experience a bit. Um but yeah, no, I I I thought it was really damn yeah. good. Yeah, the I, people who like like this movie, I like respect all those people's movies opinions. So I like I almost like makes me wish I like liked it more. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. a bunch of people. But I guess Midsummer's that like way too, where it's like everyone seems yeah. to like Midsummer. But I don't want to. I was afraid it's definitely different. Attack any of the Ari Aster fans because they're pretty loyal. Um, but just the fact that he made got this movie made on a pretty just high scale budget and like a crazy pitch. Like you can imagine. Yeah. Um, in the room. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And like, we need more movies like that. So I kind of want to just be on the more positive side, I guess, of the criticisms and shit like that. So, yeah. 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 I like that. He's, he's just a director kind of doing his own thing. Um, doing these original stories and yeah, there are just so many, like we talked about earlier, so many like movies from big auteur directors now that it's like the Marvel movies are kind of in the shadows and um, and not as big. But um, yeah, I, I liked Bo's Afraid a lot. I think uh, yeah, I I think we all can like uh, go to like extreme lengths to like exaggerate our anxieties and the feelings we get from that, and I feel like it did that in a completely bonkers way um but i liked it yeah, yeah. i want to see john is afraid that's what i want to see yeah <laughs> oh god i don't yeah i don't i john see that just, every day john working on the web <laughs> on the website is yeah. sunlight <laughs> oh god yeah no, i see that every day i look in the mirror uh, it's not pretty <laughs> One of my his favorites. Wife, his wife is um is really looks like Godzilla minus one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you could see the world through my eyes, that's what you'd see. Yeah, everyone's a kaiju walking around. <laughs> one of my favorite scenes of the year in Bo is Afraid is actually the sex scene with Parker Posey. Like that's one of the 
funniest, most just like uncomfortable things that's ever came out this year. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. But that too, yeah, like how do you make that like funny? Yeah. And and like that. And and yeah, he he pulled it off. Um but I can't imagine yeah, I mean walking Phoenix doing a lot of things and the, I mean just this character, he just yeah. The he's, physicality, he's like he's got giant testicles for some reason and yeah. he's just so rough around the edges. Yeah, like which the testicles thing I also resonated with a yeah. lot. That's You're a little blue balled yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, that's my number nine. Uh, Bo is afraid. So, cool. yeah. I'm glad it made someone's list because it was a controversial movie, but also yeah. like a really important conversation. It's a good one to talk about. Whether or not you liked it, it's yeah. I feel like it's also caught, like kind of cool seeing Joaquin reduced to like a child in it. Mm-hmm. That's also really cool. Yeah. Like I feel like that's like off. I mean, he actually now now that I think about it, he has kind of been reduced to a child in roles, but like yeah. in this way, you know, in this, this is way. stuck and it's never been as overt as this. Like this is just Yeah, he's yeah. Just this like is a, he's such an archetype of for anxiety and like kind of in his other movies, but this was just like he was an emotion bottled up in this band. Like that that's all it was. And it was Yeah, all right. Well, I guess Luke, we got your number nine already. Yeah. So, so skip to my number nine. All right. Uh, you mentioned this before, Luke, uh, but it made my top 10. And that is, are you there, God? It is me, Marguerite. Um, it is a Judy Bloom adaptation. I don't know if you guys grew up reading Judy Bloom at all, um, but I, I loved her books. I'd read them a lot in school and I'd write like multiple book reports over the years over her stuff, including this book. Um, so it was really really great to see this adapted because like like luke was saying like it's kind of just a series of vignettes of this girl like dealing with the suburban sort of contrast from like her life in new york um it's pretty mundane not a lot of conflict but this movie is extremely cinematic for the for what the movie is trying to make like everything's incredibly well detailed the language of it is really profound like all the actresses playing the young girls are fantastic um benny safty's amazing like what a great year he had and he's such a great god he's in this one too yeah father figure yeah he's so good like when he they don't their furniture hasn't arrived yet and he just like opens a like a lawn chair in their living room and just like sits back it's like he's so charming in it rachel mcadams like i think she should have gotten an oscar nom for this movie she's like so well realized and like in the book she's barely a character at all but this is like a three-dimensional like she reminded me of like my own mom and like other moms you grew up around that are just kind of trying to do their best to cater to their kids, but also do their own venture, like have their own sort of ventures in life. And I thought that was really a beautiful thing. And yeah. And like you said before, Luke, about just like a, it's incredibly like down the middle kind of like tone for this movie, but it's just so well done on every level. And, you know, just me being a fan of the book, like it was kind of a home run. Um, and I, again, I'm going to watch this movie like over and over probably throughout the years is sort of like a, a good comfort watch. So yeah, I, I freaking love this movie. Did you, did you see it, John? Yeah, I did. Uh, I saw this a few months ago and this is another one. I, I feel like I just never heard about being out. And then I would, I just saw it on Letterboxd. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I caught it and again. Yeah. Like you guys said, this was, uh it's very like comforting movie nice it's uh i i remember reading judy bloom when i was younger but didn't nothing really like stuck with me to an adult like i can i can remember reading them but not really don't really remember the stories all that well um 
But uh, yeah, it's like, it's interesting that I feel like we would read these as kids too, because these are, this is like Margaret is thinking of these very like adult uh, type questions that she's like asking herself. And um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just really well done. I also, I really liked uh, Rachel McAdams and Benny, Benny Safdie's appearance. Um, and yeah, and yeah, this is one I, um, It didn't like it didn't stick with me as much, but I, I of course I of course liked it uh, quite a lot. So yeah, I was listening to Greta Gerwig on um, WTF, and she like goes through how she's like trying to raise her kid without religion, just kind of like the parents mm. in this. And I just found it like so. I was like, oh, that's that whole <laughs> that whole movie, <laughs> you know? Like yeah, it's like that theme. I don't know. It's just like really. Uh, It's just it's just interesting as like some um someone who's was uh forced down with what the religion was gonna be i don't know just uh, like looking at that as not raising a kid with a religion as a healthy thing is uh refreshing <laughs> for for yeah. me yeah it is because yeah. i think i mean you know growing up around religion it's like this ham-fisted thing that's like kind of nauseating and this movie kind of treats it so delicately where it's it's like trying to define her and she wants to define herself and like everyone around her is not like trying to force feed it to her, but they really want her to have it because they benefited so much from their experience with religion. And I think that's such like a, that's such like a thing that's never explored in movies like so delicately or as lighthearted as this. So like where you actually want to watch people talk about, you know, Judaism and Catholicism and stuff. And yeah. And like, yeah. what's Kathy interesting Bates, is like how funny, What's interesting is how she like feels like so like lost without it too. Cause I do remember also though feeling like, yeah, because I had religion as a kid, a specific one that I understood and learned about like a, a, such a sense of identity, even though like I, you know, dropped it completely later and question, you know, eventually questioned everything about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, but I did that with everything also. I, I, I like, I think as, you know, recognizing as a kid, how like, That, that can be important as mm -hmm. well just like how much that holds um on your life i guess yeah it's like yeah, deep so. stuff but this movie's really light and like fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah that's the that's master what, yeah, stroke it is, of it yeah it, it is like like you said jake it's not really it feels like it's not really touched on that much but these are like real thoughts and like feelings and questions that kids have but um I guess I guess it's more specific if you grew up with a religious background like this, um, yeah. you know, in like a typical American family like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, really nice movie. My number eight, uh, I know, has got to be on your guys's list too, and I'm sure you'll have uh, a lot of good stuff to say about it. But it's uh, May December. Uh, yeah, May December. Almost said the wrong month. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Julianne Moore. I didn't Natalie see May, Portman. December. I saw November, February. <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah, I got May, uh, May, October from the Walmart five dollars. Is that the same movie? <laughs> Newt, uh, the cinematic universe of month to month. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and what a what a nice surprise of a movie. Didn't um, didn't know anything about this until it came on Netflix, and then started to see people uh, log it on Letterboxd and. Um, Uh, yeah, Todd Haynes. What else has he done? Um, safe. Carol, uh, safe. Safe. Oh, Dark Carol, Waters. Right, okay. 
Carol's like his big, uh, I feel like most known movie. Yeah, I'm really, I'm honestly not super familiar with um, Todd Haynes besides this, but uh, but yeah, I really, really liked May, December. It was um, just such an interesting story uh, overall too, based on like the original. I of course went down the rabbit hole of like looking up what uh, it's based on, which is just such a fascinating, like weird thing. So, and it's interesting, like, especially nowadays to have this movie, like, subverting the gender roles of uh, having this woman predator sort of manipulating um, manipulating this younger boy uh, into this and um, I guess seeing how Natalie Portman just sort of like follows that and tries to match it and ends up in a way doing the same thing and um, yeah yeah I thought it was really interesting also very like subtly funny uh, and, and dry and uh, the, the acting in this was uh, so great too by like the main three um mm-hmm. i forget what's the what's the name of the the guy the guy <laughs> it's uh charles melton charles melton yeah he was really great too um so yeah i know i this is i'm pretty sure this has got to be a higher up on your guys's list right it is it's very yeah. high yeah it's, it's, it's a it's coming up for me yeah but it's all like save save it <laughs> <laughs> just like todd Hayes will save safe <laughs> <laughs> didn't work right. out that glad it made your top 10 because yeah i can't yeah. wait to talk about it cool yeah that's uh my number eight all right my number eight is uh poor things uh which is an amazing movie uh i remember when it started when poor i didn't know anything about poor things and then which is the best way to go into this guy's movies, of course. Yeah. And um, when I when it started, I remember like first like I don't know, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. I'm like thinking, I'm like, what the hell is happening? Am I gonna like walk out? <laughs> you know, am I gonna leave this movie? <laughs> and uh, then I, the more I watched it, the more I loved it. And uh, when this is a movie that like evolves as it goes, as this character evolves so much. And and uh, it doesn't really reveal what the whole picture is until the very end, and I love that. And once it reveals what what you know this movie's really about, I yeah, I it's it's great. Yeah, I mean, poor things is so um, yeah. Not, there's nothing really like it, uh, and uh, yeah, it's fantastic. And Emma Stone just you know will do. Whatever, she's so cool. She's the best. We love Emma Stone. Yeah, yeah. She had a really weird, uh, an awesome weird year with the yeah. curse and yeah, poor <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, and poor. Sorry, I was and she po- worked with like two of the biggest weirdos in the industry, yeah. like Yorgos and Nathan Fielder. Nathan Fielder, <laughs> yeah, like pretty great. Yeah, they're all they're all their own. Yeah. yeah, and poor things is like an incredible performance. Um, but like I, I was, I actually think that uh, the curse might be like my favorite Emma Stone performance, like ever, <laughs> which is really saying something. But like I just think I agree, well, that what I agree, what yeah. that really lets her do is like insane, and the amount of uh, layers to her that gir- person she plays is just it's wild. Like it's just mind boggling to watch her like, uh, you know, talk and. Uh, you know, feel 
you know, guilt and contradict herself and try to really create her as she tries to really create her own narrative. She just ruins it. Like I, it's so great. But poor things is also really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor things is coming up on my list too. Me too. Loved it. Yeah. Good stuff. My number eight is a film by Martin Scorsese the well-known director killers of the flower moon um probably uh objectively one of the best movies to come out this year it's it's incredible um you know there's a lot of controversy that's been annoying me about this movie in that in terms of the adaptation that him and eric roth did that was focused way less on the fbi and like in scorsese in sort of his twilight years of movie making to focus on the couple and this kind of perverse love story, I think is just a genius way to go about like a really, really ambitious and kind of prophetic sort of story about how Americana is going to like play out. It's to focus on the humanity of it. And I think like only someone as wise and as, as confident as Scorsese at his age would do something like that. And yeah. like the, the technicality of this, like the technical aspects of this movie like the music and the cinematography is just also it's not showy at all it's just such good storytelling um and yeah possibly like leo's best work he's ever done in my opinion like uh, lily gladstone is gave maybe the performances of the of the year like all in service of just like this insanely compelling and obviously very traumatic point in our history um and it's like a really important movie and obviously not going to be as rewatchable as all the other scorsese movies that we watch like five times a year luke and i but (laughs) yeah like maybe might be like one of his you know five or six masterpieces in his canon in my opinion like it's such a it's just such a confident and incredibly thought-provoking movie that just takes its time and how meticulous it is to get into the psyche of of all these characters and this kind of machinations that took place in, in the killing of this and the genocide of this, of these tribe people. So yeah, I mean, not always a fun movie to talk about, but I do love to just sing Scorsese's praises because I do believe he is our greatest living director. And this is another, you know, masterpiece. And I'm sure you guys are, might be on your list too, because it's, it's a damn great movie. Yeah, I heard another criticism about it where it was like uh, they don't tell the story from the Native American, like from the perspective of I the Osage. Too. And I'm yeah. just like, I'm like, that's I'm like, but you don't get like how much it enhances what this could be. You know, like if you tell it from the Osage to me, it's all just like sad and it's like suffering and stuff like we get that. But like I feel he adds so much uh, to it by like doing it from making like Leo the not protagonist, but the main character. And then that, which is also having an anti-hero, which is also the most Scorsese thing to do. Um, He's just the middle man. That's just what I I think about it. He's like stuck between like just the, the De Niro and the Lily Gladstone sort of like fist of fury in a way. Like he's kind of like the catalyst um yeah in a way and like that's why i think leo's so damn good because he kind of gives himself up to like all of the surrounding sort of conflict that's just brewing in this movie um and yeah i agree i don't i don't subscribe to that criticism either because also the ending is like what caps it like scorsese does that yeah. eulogy, like 
he can never tell a story like completely from their perspective because he can of course never, yeah he can't exactly. imagine the yeah. the fucking just horror that that befell them and i think that's that's why this movie is a masterpiece like he's telling the story for them and not for to show like he has the perspective like he's trying to get inside their heads or whatever so it's like such a selfless movie in that way yeah exactly it is and it's clearly on the side of the um you know the people with, with the injustice <laughs> yeah well it's like i don't know that's no i don't i'm not saying i'm just kidding yeah, i'm just kidding that's such a weird criticism too because it's like yeah exactly what you're saying like they're showing like leo's the catalyst for all this to happen and it's like you're not i don't know you're gonna make a movie about something specific where it, it involves like a, an anti-hero you make a movie about hitler or something and we're like hey we didn't talk about like the allies in world war ii enough or like, <laughs> it's like well it's, it wasn't really about that but they were like affected but yeah i don't know and, and that's probably a bad analogy but um, no it, it's right because everyone wanted the kind of rise of the fbi to be the sort of focal point and how like jesse Plemons's character how he kind of came across this and like how they're kind of process to take them down or whatever but like even though like the movie's three and a half hours like they do capture the fbi's point of view too like i, I think it's just a kaleidoscope of a lot of different things and people f- just couldn't latch on to certain things i don't know but i i'm glad we all seem to love the movie here so that's all that matters mm-hmm. uh my number seven is a movie that everyone saw pretty much everyone on the on the planet saw it's barbie um yeah, and, and what else is there to say about Barbie? Everyone has seen it and talked about it a bunch. I will say uh, it's it's my least favorite movie to talk about with people who don't, who aren't cinnabums, you know. And that's when you just <laughs> talk to people at work or when we were just back visiting like uh, some family in Wisconsin. Uh, you know, they they're like, it's just so weird. Like it's just like it's weird. You know, it's kind of fun, I guess. But it's and it's just like here, and you can't have like a can't have a conversation with certain people about this um even though everyone's seen it and and, and talks about it but uh <laughs> it's a great so way to weird. put it That's, i just i get i just get so annoyed hearing some such a people. straightforward like surface level movie like yeah to... like they're just like they think this is just a mattel ad they go into that and it's like oh big movie stars in it that it's i don't know you can't even say like you know it's like directed by greta gerwig right and and they'd be like, who? Like, they don't, you know, it's yeah, just yeah. like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of, it was all right, I guess. It was kind of weird. Um, or I, I also heard while in Wisconsin, like the whole thing of like, uh, of like questioning a man for watching Barbie or something too, as you know, um, which yeah. I, you know, maybe I'm just stuck it's in like my you're, liberal bubble. You're like, you're like exactly the, bubble. what yeah, the you're movie's too woke trying to go against. Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, and, a lot uh, of what you're what you're talking about is like kind of Greta and Noah Baumbach. Like they're kind of poking fun at those people in a way. Like that's yeah. kind of the so in a way that you know the movie works even better with all those criticisms, in my opinion, from the outside. Because yeah. it's kind of you know it's kind of made for a very specific demographic. It just happened to blow up and be like a billion dollar movie because it's like a very tongue in cheek yeah. and high concept comedy. You know, it's not it's not really that accessible in my opinion for that's many people just be seeing it but if you know you know you know it's a great movie yeah and i i really yeah it was just a really well done movie and of course how can you make like uh 
Yeah, that's what I felt like. I'm not comparing these. I think Barbie is uh, a better overall film. But like, even when like the Lego Movie came out uh, a while back, it was like, what is this? Just going to be like an hour and a half ad for kids uh, to buy Legos, and it turned into be like this like cute, charming, fun story. And so it's like hard to take something like this and make a uh, an interesting and funny uh, movie like this out of it. And uh, yeah, I love the production design. Um, uh, I thought Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling were both just perfect, uh, in, in those roles. And, uh, yeah, I loved, loved where they went with it. So, um, yeah, it's my, it's my number seven. Glad that it got, uh, a lot of people excited to go to the movies. So, yeah. What was your guys' favorite song from the Barbie soundtrack? <sighs> I mean, I only remember the two like I, biggest ones. I remember, so I don't yeah, really have like, a good answer for that. Yeah, there's pink. I remember like the main pink one and the Ken one. Like, I, I really the, like the Billy Eilish song. Dua Lipa song, "Dance the Night Away" is a big one. The uh, yeah, I'm just Ken. It's really those four. Yeah, but I really like the Billy Eilish one at the end because the yeah. movie really ends oh, in yeah. a like a Toy Story sort of fashion. Uh, That's what got yeah, the, the tears ending of the movie is very magical. Yeah, it kind of feels stripped back. It's like Greta Gerwig kind of like personally putting her touch on that ending there. It's really beautiful. And Billie Eilish. Yeah, if you don't That's understand the, Barbie, you're a very like behind individual. Yeah, I don't have time yeah. for you to catch up to me, okay? Yeah, we get... Yeah. It's like, hit you know, hit the road or get out or whatever. That say yeah. is, you know, if you don't get Barbie... I was trying to think of some of like the the funny moments, so, like when Margot Robbie's in the real world too, and I don't know, like subtle things too with like how kids talk nowadays, or at least how you see it, like on the internet. And she's at the school, and they call her a fascist, and yeah, she's just like yeah, I'm a yeah. fascist. Like, yeah, like <laughs> those moments I thought were pretty funny. But yeah, I I, I could see uh, certain people. It, it just not really, uh, they just don't really get it. Maybe, but yeah. Um, yep. that's my number seven Barbie alright uh, my number seven is uh, the zone of interest <laughs> which I saw um, over the weekend uh, so I think it's the last movie of 2023 but I, I will watch I watched before I set this uh, list in stone um, uh, but yeah the zone of interest is like an insane uh an insane movie uh, to exist. Um, it's the uh, Jonathan Glazer who uh, I've only seen one other movie that he made. It's like that under the skin uh, movie, uh, which really puts you on edge uh, as well. But uh, yeah, zone, zone of interest is like a, like a Holocaust movie. Unlike you'll ever see Um and it is incredibly creative and um it, it like it, it tells this like insane perspective of people who just have a very nice privileged comfy home outside of a concentration camp and uh don't seem to care at all about all the suffering that they that is going on and they can hear very clearly going <laughs> going over the wall like that they live right by and uh um, yeah, there's just so much uh, to unpack um, out of this, but uh, yeah, like what a movie! What a movie to exist! 
Yeah, I've not seen this yet. This is I really wanted to see it before we did our list, but never never got to it. But glad it made your list. It makes me want to see it more. It's hard to kind of see these days. I don't think the release is that wide yet. So I think a lot of yeah. people that aren't in like LA, New York, or major cities are able to. But yeah, I'll talk about it later. But definitely see it in the, in the theater because like it's such an immersive. Yeah. Now. It's great cinematography. It's very immersive. The sound design's great. Yeah. Um, Was it nominated for Best Picture too? Like Best uh, Foreign Film. No, Best oh, Picture, film. Best Director, a lot of stuff. Best Sound. Yeah, cool. I was surprised. I'm sure it'll a get a of... good. Uh, it should get a big release. Yeah. Now it, it'll get a boost. The yeah, because the Oscars exactly. My number seven yep. is kind of the opposite tonality of Zone of Interest, but. I have The Holdovers at number seven, which is a great, great movie uh, directed by Alexander Payne, who is is back in his kind of traditional form of filmmaking, which I'm happy about. Huge fan of like Election and um, uh, about Schmidt and a lot of his movies. So and I think this might be up there as one of his best. I think it's fantastic. Um, I I think this movie is just so deceitfully simple. So a lot of people. Some people write it off that look for more flashing uh, yeah. and kind of experimental filmmaking. I don't know, stuff that's more flashy. Um, but this movie digs into like three characters better than most movies that have come out in the last like five years. Like they're so well fleshed out. You feel like they're your compatriots as Paul Giamatti kind of quotes. Um, you feel like you're in their sort of uh, world and their Christmas vacation you're, that you're experiencing with them. And it's just so poignant and like every level, like in terms of just running the gambit of emotions that you want to feel um, when watching a movie like this. Um, and yeah, it's just like, I don't think Alexander Payne gets enough credit for making a movie, like developing a tone that's so specific, um, the kind of this warm hug of a character study. Um, and it's like really hard to do it. I don't think he gets enough credit for it, but a lot of the credit goes to Paul Giamatti who crafted this insanely just at the same time, you just, you loathe him. But then at the other points in this movie, when it kind of rears its head, you'd love him. And I think a lot of that is Giamatti crafting just such a three-dimensional and well-realized character. Um, And this movie doesn't really like speak for the times or anything, or it's just a very broad and kind of timeless story about companionship and friendship and human nature. Um, the Dominic Sessa character I found like way too relatable in the sense of just he's kind of accepted a lot of his loneliness in his life and he just kind of makes do with what he's got. Um, and I thought that was really profoundly beautiful too. Um, yeah, I mean, like this, I think I can recommend to this movie, as John was kind of saying with Barbie, I could really recommend this movie uh, to anyone. And I think most people can get something out of it. So yeah, I just thought it was great. Yeah, it was cool to see Paul Giamatti be so such in the spotlight this year and in the mainstream with like award season. And uh, he's playing such a him role. Um, and uh, yeah, this movie I feel like is underrated because of how simple it is. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it almost seems like simple and like familiar. Like uh, you've seen something like it before, but it's um, yeah. I, I really love the holdovers. So it'll come up later on my list. Yep, same. Uh, 
movie I, I think I could see myself watching like every Christmas season. Christmas, it, yeah. It yeah, just captures yeah. that melancholic kind of downbeat feel of Christmas that I like not in like the Christmas vacations or the elves of the world. And like I think this kind of fits that slot of like kind of depressing kind of lo-fi Christmas movies. So for yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. I will be buying it on for my Blu-ray shelf for next year. You kind of get overstimulated with like the whimsical family uh, Christmas movies. Holdovers is a nice yeah. uh, break yeah. from that. Uh, all right. Yeah. My number six is uh, The Civil Dead, um, which this is a small little indie movie. Uh, I think it, it's one of those that came out like festivals in 2022, uh, but then had a bigger release in 2023. Um and uh, it's on Showtime, I believe. But um, mm, I don't know if you guys yeah. are familiar with uh, Whitmer Thomas. You yeah, you told that? me about this one episode, but you can like re. Oh, okay. Yeah, about this movie. Yeah, I must have. Um, yeah, Whitmer Thomas. He's just an alternative comedian. I actually I don't really know him all that well, but I feel like I've heard about him a lot from other other comedian podcasts and stuff. Talk about him, but. Um, yeah, he made this movie with, uh, I think, his lifelong friend, Clay Tatum, who they also, they star uh, they star in it together, wrote it, uh, and then Clay directed. Um, and, yeah, this is a nice uh, little indie comedy that I really loved this year. And um, it really, for the most part, uh, it's there's a very small cast, and for the most part, you're just with these two guys. And uh, it's just a lot about loneliness and friendship and um kind of needing to uh need, needing to cut out friends in a way but also needing having the need for friends if that makes sense mm. um but basically what uh the whole the plot line of, of the story is that uh clay is just this uh photographer in la freelance photographer he's kind of just been living uh um, I guess kind of like, like Bo, but to a less extreme extent has just been living this ambivalent life, uh, lately. Um, and his girlfriend is going out of town for the weekend. So he's like, uh, all right, instead of, um, which I don't know about, I don't know about you, Luke, who's living with significant other, but, uh, there's often times where Carly leaves for a weekend and I'm like, man, I feel like I should just do like nothing this weekend. Haven't um, had that privilege yet. That's <laughs> <laughs> definitely something that crosses my mind when I like have a free week and I was like, I could try and be social and go out and do things or I could just do nothing. But um, uh, he, he promises her that he's going to like get out there and try to uh, mm -hmm. do some photo shoots for clients. Right. Um, but he's still kind of, kind of craving like uh, not having responsibility and stuff. And um He's just out um, shooting one day, just like randomly around town. And he sees Whitmer Thomas, uh, who was this guy he went to high school with and was like friends in high school, but hasn't spoken to since. I think they both ended up moving to LA to do like film stuff. Uh, Whitmer went out to be like an actor, but they haven't talked to each other in years. And all of a he just sees him there. And it turns out that Whitmer is dead and he's a ghost. And the only person that can see him is Clay. And so, yeah, uh, yeah it kind of just goes through this uh, this friendship of um, 
Whitmer being a ghost and being lonely because the only there's only one person that can see him, so sort of attaching himself to Clay, and then Clay also having that need for like, you know, companionship and and, and friendship, um, but getting to a point where uh, you know he feels a little bit too, like he he can't live his life by being the the only friend to this guy now who's dead and and can't connect with uh, with people anymore. Um, and it gets, it gets funny and like sweet, uh, and, and everything. And then, uh, I think the ending is, it kind of caught me off guard and I think, uh, was just a good, like cap to the story. So, uh, mm-hmm. it's really just like a night, it's a nice indie comedy, very like mm-hmm. chill. Um, I think it, the, the title is a play on evil dead, I'm sure, but, um, it's not, <laughs> it's not a horror movie. Not like that. <laughs> yeah. He just happens to be a ghost, but, um, but yeah, I, th- I just thought it was really interesting, a, a fun story between these two friends who um, it's kind of like needing each other, but then also um, getting to a point where yeah, it feels like uh, it's best to, to, to cut somebody out. Um, yeah, I, I felt like it's definitely a relatable movie for um, people our age. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, I, I like that theme because I feel like, uh, you know, adulthood is like your view on friends become so uh, different. Cause yeah. like um, when you're like high school, when you're in school, you like feel like you must have them to like have a life and exist. And then you start to like build a life in adulthood, which is not always where like, I don't know where, where having too many friends isn't as much a, as an asset, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I don't know, like people's like viewpoints or the way they live their life becomes uh, like actually like important to you. You like care what they do or say or how they are. And you start to like factor in like, hmm, should I? You actually really like seriously, like you'll be like, should I keep this person around? Which in was it in, but like in a healthy way, I guess. Yeah, right. Like, is yeah. this really good for me or not? You know? Yeah, you're thinking more about your life and the life you want to live. Right. Kind of who fits into that. And you don't have just like all the time in the world to just like hang out. Yeah. uh, As much as you used to. And so you want to be more precious with your time. Yeah. It got me thinking about a lot of that. And uh, yeah, I just think it was just a a good like chill comedy. Um, That also had some like really like uh, relatable themes in it too. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend it. I think it's on Showtime. I nice. could be wrong, but it's it's streaming somewhere. Yeah, you always find the like cool, like under the radar, but like brilliant comedy indie things. <laughs> I feel. I try. I try. <laughs> so that's nice. Yeah. But yeah, that's the the All right, uh, number, number six. six. Uh, okay, uh, my number six is May December. Um, nice. Very good. Very, very good. Um, I, I love these stories where like it's like people like obsessing over another person and like studying each other. And I love the juxtaposition of like Hollywood comes to small town America and people in like small town America kind of, uh, I don't know, they like 
and just not just in small town America, but, but like everywhere, I think, but specifically small town America where they're like, I'm not going to address these things that have happened to me or look back on it. Cause now my life is about the now, but what they're really doing is like really unhealthy and fucked up. Like, I don't know. You see that in ra- reality TV a lot where like, you know, you watch Gordon Ramsay break someone down like a restaurant tour. And he's like, I've been doing this for so long, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like where you get them to admit it. I feel like there's a little of that in uh, May, December, but what, 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 what's interesting is like, but then the, the, the movie also questions the morality of like the, of like Natalie Portman's character and how she's like um, the messed up side of how like, she's like obsessed with studying Julianne Moore and uh, learning about her life. And um, like that scene where they're in the acting class and, and she gets questioned for wanting the role of a fucked up person. And, and she's like, well, look at any like great role. That's what it's about. You know, it's almost like, you know, that we're looking for a juicy story as like an artist. It almost portrays it as like disgusting. And then, you know, not to spoil too much, but in the end, like, I feel like her character comes out um, uh, like, I don't know, at the bottom of like, uh, you know, the the war between these two Uh but yeah, so interesting. I love the music too. And um, I could definitely watch this again and learn more about it <laughs> for sure. There's so much to unpack with this. The script, like I can't believe it's written by a first time screenwriter. Like she's, there's so much dense writing and so much. Yeah, like, that's insane. I did not know that. That's under, crazy. Underneath the surface of everything. And and you're right. Like it's almost, Natalie Portman's character is like almost, ex, she's like exploiting this sort of, kind of small town simpleton kind of community and it's like people in like hollywood sometimes like psychoanalyze people that don't really deserve to be psychoanalyzed and they kind of yeah reveal too much of their lives and i feel like that taps into like art versus reality and just so many different things i'm jumping the gun because i'm going to talk about this later but yeah like this movie inspires so much shit that's not normally in you know hollywood movies that i think is really just brave and just crazy that they that it was made so yeah and in ways she's like trying to be so like polite at the beginning of the film by like yeah but um she it's totally like ends up being such an invasion of privacy but she but at the you know she at the beginning it's all about like no i just want to you know do you know do your do by your story right and like tell it the way it is and mm-hmm so my number six you mentioned uh, just a minute ago was the zone of interest. Um, I won't spend too much time talking about it because I truly believe like it's a movie that you have to see to sort of understand the feelings that it invokes because it's so abstract in a way. Um, and it's such a portrait of evil that's never really been portrayed on screen because it's almost like this. It's shot on digital. Um, so it's like it gives off this it, the Holocaust almost as a, cont- a contemporary sort of feeling in it. And I don't really want to go far beyond that because I feel like a lot of it's revealed through just like following this family on this in the kind of mundane situation of being part of the Third Reich and like a really efficient person in the Third Reich who's just doing really well and seeing him ascend. It's like you feel like you're almost compl- complicit to one of the biggest just genocides in history and it's like i think of all the films we're talking about is like 
probably the most boundary pushing and innovative like movies in terms of movie making. Um, like it's like undeniably something that we've never seen before and it evokes feelings you've never really felt while watching a movie. Um, and just like audio design wise, like might be the best like sound design in the past like five, 10 years because like Luke mentioned before, you don't really see any of like the heinous shit going on. It's all like implied and kind of done off screen. And um, it's kind of like this sort of atmosphere that's palpable throughout the whole movie that just just gets under your skin. And like any and you, this movie is abstract in a way because you can really apply it to like a lot of just human kind of uh, just really low moments in human history that kind of evoke the same feelings like that that concentration camps had so it's like a really it's such a tough movie to recommend to people but if you're into that sort of like abstract form of filmmaking like i think glazer jonathan glazer is one of our modern masters of in terms of like evoking feelings that are just out of comprehension um and this movie is just was really really brilliant in my opinion so yeah that's that's really it go see it if you can Oh, hearing you guys talk about it makes me want to see it so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds really uh, interesting. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's not a movie you're going to want to like go get a slice of pizza afterwards. You're going to be like kind of shook, <laughs> shook in your car and just want to <laughs> dissect it for the next hour. I bet. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's six. So we're in, we're in the top five. Top five. All right. Well, my number five is Killers of the Flower Moon, um, <laughs> which I feel like we talked about it enough uh, before. But yeah, of course, uh, loved it. It's cool that Scorsese's Scorsese and Miyazaki are in their eighties and still putting out yeah, this yeah. high quality peak work, work. You know, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, they're continuing to beat themselves. Yeah, and I. I don't know. I was talking about this uh, with someone after I saw it that it, it kind of reminded me of Goodfellas in a, lot of, in a lot of ways too. And I think maybe just in the way that it really felt like a Scorsese movie. Um, but there were just certain certain uh, aspects of it that reminded me of that. And, um, yeah. I feel like every movie of his, you'll see something where you're like, that mirrors yeah. more of his work. Yeah. It all is like ends up being under the same there umbrella. Is, like, there's, there's that raging yeah. bull moment or there's that like departed sort of because like he's mm -hmm. so like all of his movies are kind of a one a, they're kind of like one long like exploration if you think about it because they're all like exploring similar shit and like yeah and this this movie rears all that stuff yeah and just in general too it did make me want to read the book and find out more about this just story overall. And I think this story is just told really well. I also really enjoyed the, um, the ending with like Jack White and the radio show. And I, I just thought that was like a clever storytelling uh, technique, I guess, to just go through, you know, what really happened at the end of this and um, mm -hmm. sort of keep it in this, in this theme yeah. and not just, have words on a screen explaining something. I thought that was really mm -hmm. cool. Um, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's my number five. It's really great. Of course. Another one that's really cool that it seems like a lot of people went out um, to go see it. And uh, yeah. Uh, my number five is uh, Oppenheimer, um, which is like in ways on the same level as uh, killers of the flower moon. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I think Oppenheimer, like, uh, you know, it's just so tough to look at it um, objectively after, you know, it's just so gushed over and highly regarded. Uh, you know, you know, I mean, it, it, it can't do no wrong. Like everyone loves it, you know, and mm-hmm. I mean, and I mostly agree. I mean, I love this. I, I think it was um, I think it's really great. I think it's uh, uh, in ways there's no movie uh, like it in terms of like um, what it's exploring and uh, how daring it is. And but yet it's all a character study and it's all mostly people talking in a room. Um when I saw it, I was like thinking, God, this is probably like one of my, it's got to be one of my favorite Nolan mo- movies just because of the the script and um, uh, all the performances. And I, and I, I feel like in the past he's had um, like maybe writing that isn't as like mature and as good and as complete as this at least for me and i feel like as he's gotten older as a director i've like liked his later works uh more than the earlier ones uh like i really like tenet i really like oppenheimer um and uh yeah i love ludwig uh, garanson's score i think it like carries you through um this long movie that is filled with um character studies and exposition of how like and physics and uh, stuff like that. Um, uh, but yeah, 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 yet this movie, like, you're never bored. It's so entertaining, which is similar to Killers of the Flower Moon. Like, it's like something very serious, but I also think it's really entertaining, manages to be very entertaining uh, at the same time. I think the writing point is good because I think a lot of his earlier stuff, especially like Inception, and the, the writing's very focused on the concepts and not really digging into. Emotion yeah, the character. macro instead of the micro. Yeah. Like yeah. they almost feel like you're reading like a whiteboard of his, yeah, kind of his brain exercising and coming to terms with all these concepts, and that like comes out in his movies and and like yeah, Oppenheimer feels like he's just writing a piece of history and like, yeah, it's like he's like trying to change the world with this movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like time. there's a clear like thesis and everything. Like it's such a well constructed screenplay on like and like the time const- he still has like the non-linear storytelling and how just yeah vast it is and everything like that's there's nolan trademarks but i agree it's probably like his most mature script and movie so far yeah. it didn't make my my list but it's another honorable mention obviously it's a great movie it's probably gonna win like all the oscars and it's probably gonna be yeah. the movie that people remember mm-hmm. from this year I, I would say yeah i think it probably will be remembered for a while and and then just just speaking to like the the way this movie flows i love how like at the beginning it just it just starts off and killian murphy's like it's just like flashbacks of his life and it just shows mm-hmm. him getting started and being a student and then that pian- piano music starts going and you're just like you're just like you just get kicked off and running it's just such a ride yeah yeah really impressive to make uh, a, a long movie like this with a lot of science jargon and and guys talking in a room this entertaining um but yeah yeah oppenheimer will come up on my list too yeah it reminded me of like of oliver stone's jfk but why the end by the end i felt like so bombarded with information but it's such like an yeah. emotional like roller coaster of american history that's just so boldly told and so ambitious like it's like very few directors could pull off what he 
and I guess Oliver Stone did. Like it's so impressive. So yeah, yeah there's definitely good. a lot just uh, to take in, like new in, like new information to take in too. At the end, like I really didn't know too much about him personally or uh, what happened, you know, after the fact of him getting blacklisted and everything. And yeah, it's just such a complex character to to dive yeah. into both personally yeah. and like professionally and just a huge person in history. Um, and yeah, yeah. I, I like the scenes too, after the, the bomb, you know, we, I like that you don't see the bomb actually, you know, them dropping the bombs and it goes right into like, what have I done? Like just the overwhelming amount of like guilt and demons that that causes. That's uh, yeah. yeah. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, and all the like uh, images of uh, like the bomb images are is like really breathtaking, gorgeous, and, and like it's it's why and it's why you see it in like IMAX, yeah, seventy yeah. millimeter, and you like the whole theater kind of like uh, just freezes, like everyone everyone freezes in their seats when yeah. that stuff is going. No on. No one's like blinking, yeah. like you you don't want to miss a, a millisecond of what's going yeah. on, on the screen, like it's invigorating. Yeah, yeah, and then that last act, yeah, I do, I do just love when it's about like the guilt and it's about investigating mm -hmm. it kind of like a little social social network esque i um the, yeah I, and it's an, it's just amazing that this is like chris nolan just like i know it's based off a book but that like this is like his script and like only his script too i just think it's it's an it's such a feat to write something like this it's like thousands upon thousands of pages i think and like he yeah. to be able to condense that into three hours is like pretty yeah. insane also yeah, another yeah. great benny safty performance in the yeah well, yeah, yeah really big Gosh, year for him he's wow. killing it yeah yeah he was the kind of the star of the the testing scene too yeah. right yeah he really was <laughs> the sunscreen yeah. and everything that's like one of the most <laughs> iconic movie images of the year i think was yeah <laughs> yeah oh that scene that scene too i think that was just like um I think I feel like that's like what the general public was like. Yeah, like let's do this. Like, uh, you know, let's let's drop this bomb. Let's let's make something happen. And I think that scene, everyone like in the theater, you can just feel like nobody's making a sound. Everyone's just totally like glued mm -hmm. into this uh, this moment. Terrifying mm -hmm. when they're talking yeah, about like really where cool. they're gonna do it, like very methodically. It's like oh god, it's mm -hmm. extra. I love this scene too when. He's that they're at like the the school or whatever and they're in the bleachers and Killian Murphy starts seeing like yeah. remains of yeah. people. Like yeah. that's like really striking shit. Like really mm -hmm. effective stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah. What a performance. If he wins, I would not, you know, for an Oscar, I wouldn't be mad at of course not. At all. Yeah. Yeah. Him or Giamatti, I'd be like really happy if either of them win the Oscar. My number five. I'm really glad I'm. I get to jumpstart this because I feel like we're all gonna gush over this movie because I know we all really love it. Um, and a lot of people probably won't have this on their top ten, but I'm glad we do because we're on the right side of history. Because I think Blackberry is in the top ten of 2023. This is like I love this movie so much. Like it made me fall in love with filmmaking again and storytelling and. There's just so much spirit and energy and, and enthusiasm put into like every frame and second of this movie. Um, it's such a like 
I feel like the framing device is so simple, like a very pitchable movie, like that would go straight to Apple TV. But if you put it in the hands of like Matt Johnson, who's like comes from the indie world of like Canadian cinema, like a lot of people probably wouldn't know who he was before this. And just to direct it with such propulsive, fun energy that just like screams like he knows cinema, he loves cinema. And just I'm just invigorated by like every second of this movie. I think it's I'm going to of all the movies that came out this year, it's probably the one I'm going to watch the most after 2023. I think it's so indebted to like stuff like social network as we were just talking about, which is, which is, you know, not a bad thing at all. Like one of the most influential movies and it follows the blueprints, the right, correct blueprints of that movie. Um, Glenn Howerton gives my favorite performance of the year. I think a lot of you um, people were like shocked how fucking incredible and commanding he was on screen. And he's like in the theater, like he made me sweat more than like, watching the bomb drop at Oppenheimer personally. Like I was just like so taken aback and yeah, this movie's lean. It knows exactly what it is. It's just, I think it's perfect on every level. And I think it's such a well-realized vision from Matt Johnson. And I can't wait to watch it over and over and over again and feel inspired by it. So yeah, that's, that's, I know you guys I'm sure want to talk about it later, but that's my number five. Yeah. Yeah. It is lean. That's what's cool about it. Uh, (laughs) which like the social network is not, which is like, but it's still inspired by, I think that's like one of the, th- yeah, that's a great point. It's like way to also want to say one of my favorite final shots of the year that like invokes like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, and like a full character arc moment for Jay Baruchel's yeah. character. Yeah. It's like, it just makes you want to hoot and hollers. Like I fucking love <laughs> movies when that happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think it's like, I think it's like a perfect movie um <laughs> and uh it's just like what it's trying to do i think it like it nails it it really does and if i think a lot of people would write it off because it's like it's called blackberry it's about a real you know product in american history it might not be interesting but you gotta watch it if you it's just it's the best possible version of what those movies can achieve yeah. have you guys watched the uh the limited series of it yet I I heard that that has like extra yeah that was cut out of the movie. Uh, I have not yet. I, I want to if it's streaming. I would love to watch it though. The limited series of BlackBerry. Yeah, you didn't hear about that. Yeah, no. they uh, they like made it into like a four part mini series, taking like deleted scenes and um. Oh, I, I, I would love movie. to watch that. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if oh, it yeah. like. Right up your if alley. It, like if it yeah. works because it's like uh you know because you could i don't know i don't know i wonder if it works <laughs> yeah yeah it, it seems like they must have had i don't know much if this more like material matt, than yeah. Yeah. yeah i don't know if this is matt johnson really wanting to um the movie as it on its own is just so well paced and just like a perfect like yeah little, yeah uh yeah uh, on its own so yeah i'm really curious to see if you're like a blackberry else. nerd maybe it is <laughs> right. like, it's beneficial like us, for you because yeah. you're like i want to know much more about yeah you know this stuff the pacing must be so different if it's like a four hour mini series because like this movie yeah this movie's two hours and it's it's like a roller coaster ride like i can't imagine riding that for yeah. four hours of the pace that blackberry has but i'll gladly watch it just because i want more of that world and more of those characters mm-hmm. that, like anyway. right, yeah i just take more of it yeah yeah so yeah number number five for me 
Cool. Cool. Uh, well, yeah, my number four then is the holdovers. Um, cool. So yeah, I think yeah we talked about it a lot before, but uh, again, yeah, really just. Um, I love when we get uh, to like the top five and like we've said so many. We're like we just like start to write off. Way, yeah. We write off our own picks. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's stupid. I, I won't say it anymore. Yeah, it's a uh, stupid pick. What can I no, say? I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I should have said it so earlier. Mainstream. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah it's just uh yeah familiar like a familiar type of movie but uh just the really the the characters is really what um i don't know makes it just so entertaining mm -hmm. and interesting and uh yeah love paul giamatti too did you guys listen to him on wtf yeah yeah, yeah. oh awesome such a great episode, episode. he's just such a yeah, I love him. He's the best um, guy. One of the best guys in in the yeah. world. Um, yeah, so I, I I agree, Jake. This will definitely be one that I will probably watch, try to watch every Christmas now. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. It was like I always, I remember really liking Dead Poets Society growing up. Like they would always show that to you in school. Mm -hmm. um, and I liked that this... Um, like this reminded me of it, but in a maybe it's like a in that world, cynical but like and, yeah, 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 definitely cynical. <laughs> yeah, it's like these East Coast depressed kind of sheltered boys. Like that's such a subgenre. Yeah, um, in movies, kind of that you know, like these intellectual filmmakers were like reflect on their past, and I feel like that's what this movie like fits in that Dead Poet Society or like Metropolitan and all those movies. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. That that WTF episode and the holdovers both made me want to like just go down more of a rabbit hole of Paul Giamatti movies, yeah. and I, I think I, like I'm I'm planning on I think a rewatch of Sideways is coming up with probably a you know some glasses of wine like I the really only way to watch, watch that it, now. Yeah. yeah, so you know I want to watch his John Adams show. I heard it's fantastic. Where he plays John Adams. Forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. That was a while ago. Yeah, that was, was like early like 20 years at this point. Yeah. Oh, but it, it looks awesome. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I also I liked in that uh, um, WTF episode he mentioned Big Fat Liar being yeah. one of his weirdest <laughs> yeah, movies. Yeah. He's like, it's a weird movie, man. <laughs> and we all grew. Up but for us, we all grew up was, with it and like loved yeah. it. That was like He's my like, introduction to Paul Giamatti. Yeah, he was. You terrified us as a kid. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was. Oh, he's evil. Yeah. <laughs> evil corporate he's the Hollywood worst <laughs> that's a crazy a premise for a movie he steals <laughs> this guy's homework and turns it into a script it's, like, it's so crazy he's, <laughs> i didn't think about how genuinely weird it is until he yeah. started until he mentioned that but i kind of when he before he said it i knew he was gonna say it for some i know me too i like no he's gonna mention big fat fat liar. Liar. <laughs> i turned blue in that movie <laughs> Yeah. Here, here's a great uh, quote from the holdovers. Uh, There's nothing new in human experience, Mr. Tuller, Tully. Each generation thinks it invented debauchery or suffer suffering or rebellion, but man's every impulse and appetite from the disgusting to the sublime is on display right here all around you. So before you dismiss something as boring or irrelevant, remember, if you truly want to understand the present or yourself, you must begin in the past only paul wow. giamatti could pull that line <laughs> off in a movie and not is there like so it. many like that where he's just like going <laughs> going off in that movie <laughs> i love the scene where he's talking about he's like 
She's like, don't you get lonely being here in school all by yourself? He says, like, I like the aesthetic of being alone. It fits me. And, like, it's just, yeah. like, it's stuff only he can get away with saying. And it's just, like, so, like, it's ham-fisty, but so charming at the same time. Yeah. yeah. That's, like, another character, like we're saying, and Bo is Afraid, of course, is a very tonally different, just an overall different movie. But, like, a character who's, like, living in their own world and has their own anxieties yeah. and is like very relatable in that. That's Giamatti's trademark. Like that's sideways. yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what he does like too. every time. Yeah. yeah. I would love to see Giamatti and Bo is afraid. Like, <laughs> different, different, yeah. different movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Paul Giamatti never goes like, oh. like he never, he's never like quiet, you know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> he can't help but open his mouth you know that's like kind of his his kryptonite you know yeah. yeah he can't hold his tongue all right that is that's the holdovers number four john's number four yeah that yeah. was my number four yeah all right my number four is uh barbie um i think if i'm being like just to totally honest if the my favorite experience theater experience from this year maybe other than blackberry they would probably both compete with each other is barbie um like barbie i just had and i just saw oppenheimer too and so i'm like mind blown that same week and just thinking about it like you know big world stuff and then barbie like plays and it's you know obviously it's so much more relatable for me and uh, um and and it's so like my Five. it's like half a musical it's so funny um and uh charming and you know takes so much influence from like howard hawks or singing in the rain and gene kelly just stuff, stuff like that uh and there's so many just one-liners that you can pick out from barbie that are like great i laughed so much i think i had like a smile on my face for most of barbie um, and Ryan Gosling is uh, so fantastic as well, and uh, everyone. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I think Barbie ov overall. I just love. Yeah, I love everything about Barbie. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird movie, man. It's it was weird. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> heard multiple people say they fell asleep during it too. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> you got to stay out of the Midwest. Yeah, stay on the stay on your your coasts. Plus, we got Will Ferrell. You know, like funny. He's funnier than he's been in years, or like maybe yeah. not even just funnier, but like in the best movie he's been in in forever. What do you I feel mean, like he hasn't cared about anything until Barbie? In the no, he hasn't. Yeah, he hasn't. Um, like, I love yeah. that it's all sound stages and the the environment's really controlled. Um, uh, it embraces its yeah. artifice, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's like something like Tim Burton or someone crazy would do where yeah. it's just making it look as artificial as possible, but also as stylized as possible. Yeah. And uh, I'm so glad she, cause like, you know, Lady Bird and Little Women are like really rooted in reality in some ways. And like this, yeah, like, kind of threw all that out the window and just made the most bonkers yeah. Yeah. movie possible. Little Women though showed me that she could like make something like this though because I I I remember like Little Women had some like musicality to it, some rhythm yeah. to it at points. I mean the where... dialogue is very like Ernest Lubitsch, you know, like they're all kind of bouncing around the room. Yeah, it's yeah. like this very rhythmic thing. 
Like she loves she like like Mistress America. Go back to that. She loves that like Howard Hawks that sort of thing and they like yeah. Barbie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but I I love now that she's just such she's a Hollywood queen. She's untouchable, but she used to be that girl who was just like working with Noah at the most and then in indie movies and only cer certain people knew she was super brilliant. Joe Swanberg, she was making movies for like twenty dollars. Yeah. You know? She was so brilliant. Yeah, only yeah. certain people knew she was so brilliant, but now like every everyone knows. I feel like this is where finally like literally everyone knows unless you know you like live in wisconsin or, or yeah, something or something like john's that. relatives yeah <laughs> it's crazy because like i think when i was in college like greta gerwig was like the indie darling and everyone yeah looked up to her and loved her mm -hmm. and i, I no, still love her yeah but i was like obsessed with her movies and now the amount she's I'm, ascended since then yeah it's crazy i've never seen well, similar never to the safties the safties yeah. were doing that too for years and Nathan Fielder, Nathan Fielder, even because Nathan Fielder was making just small movie things that no one saw for a while. That's why I love being yeah. a fan of these people because like it becomes like attainable because you see their brilliance on a small scale and then they kind of ascend to this just untouchable yeah. place. Yeah, um, and yeah, just good for her, you know. Yeah, like this is her, like her blank check. I mean, Little Women's a big budget i feel like too but i feel like this is like a Barbie real was like 150 million yeah yeah so. this is a real blank check so and now she's going to narnia which is going to be a bigger blank check yeah yeah, yeah. and it's crazy to see really? her she's yeah, doing like two her. narnia movies for netflix wow. yeah. i didn't hear about that Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's crazy seeing her do things like talking to James Cameron on directors on directors. It's just because Barbie made like as much money as like Avatar, the way of water almost. So it's yeah. like she's on that. Right. So they're saying the that these level, people right? can relate now. It's, yeah. it's yeah. wild. It's wild. Yeah. You can be making movies for $100 like in Chicago and then go to make Barbie a decade later. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> you know, my number four is is a much smaller movie, uh, but I love this movie. It's called Fallen Leaves uh, by Aki Kerismaki. It's a Finland movie. Um, some people I might get to this one. I know Luke wanted Same. to watch it. Uh, John, I for both you guys, I think it's right up both of your alleys. I always describe Aki Kerismaki as like the the J Jim Jarmusch overseas. Like he has mm -hmm. the very similar sensibilities in terms of his style like really dry, um, but kind of whimsical, like slightly whimsical and really life affirming. Like his movies are just really about really mundane human beings. Like this movie is just about two people that work in the service industry in Finland and they're dealing with like unemployment stuff and the, the war in Ukraine and stuff like that, like really topical, but it manages to be so charming and lovable and really, really deeply wholesome movie. Um, it's mm -hmm. so... It's it's just so beautiful, and like if you love that minimal style of filmmaking that just kind of like shoots only on locations and captures the beauty of mundane life, like this is the movie for you. And like, and just like not even this movie, like go watch all more Aki Kurosaki movies if if you're into that sort of thing. Like he's he's such an underrated and kind of undiscussed director. What a um, yeah, what a what a name. Aki yeah. Kurosaki. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> you know, I found out about him because like Steve Buscemi talked about him. He's like, more people in the world need to see Aki Kurosaki. And like, he is brilliant. And he hangs mm. out. Like, he hangs, apparently he's friends with him and Jarmusch and all the David Lynch. He's just the man. I love him. And nice. This movie. All right. That's very you guys, motivating. Then. You guys will love it, everyone. Cool. It's one of the best movies of the year. It's just, yeah. I wanted to watch movie. it. It was just, I ran out of juice, but I will. I'll watch mm -hmm. it.
Um, yeah, yeah. You you guys will love it. So yeah, that's cool. number four. Well, it kind of reminds me. Just this is about. Uh, I don't know if this is 2023. It might be 2024. But I I've I've seen that trailer now for <laughs> the Vim Vendors uh, film yeah. multiple times, and I really want to see that. And me too. Yeah, it's apparently Wim Wenders like one of his final movies, and people are saying it's like one of his best. So I I can't wait to see that. All right, nice. Yeah. All right. On movie, right? It's on movie. It's on movie, so yeah, get a free trial and just watch Fallen Leaves. <laughs> How much is movie? I used to have it. I used to pay for no, it, I don't have it back in the day. It was like five bucks a month. It's pretty okay. It's pretty reasonable. Yeah. yeah. I thought there was something else that was on movie that came out this year too that I was trying to see. I don't know. Maybe decision, it was that. decision to leave was last year. That was like their big uh, oh. they always have like one really, really incredible thing that they push. So So that was four. Um so it'd be yeah. three next. Then we'll... Three goes after four. <laughs> well, I was confused because my number three is Oppenheimer, and I remember we I thought we just talked about Oppenheimer. Um, <laughs> there yeah, it is maybe, again. Maybe was, yeah, maybe that was a while ago. Uh, but yeah, Oppenheimer's my number three. Uh, of course, loved it uh, for all the reasons we talked about before. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't have much else to add. <laughs> I know like we're the, like the grandiose, like top three now, but yeah, we've we've talked about it a lot, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. For sorry for s- stealing all your thunder, John, that you could have <laughs> yeah. had at your number three. We could have waited until <laughs> the end to go over it, but you know. <laughs> I wanted to say about Oppenheimer too. Like, I love how Nolan casts like all these really random but cool like character actors and like the. The kind of scientists like uh yeah like like david Cromholes and mm-hmm. josh peck like all like it's a really yeah just kind of like a cherry on top to see all these people like you would see in movies like growing up and probably movies that his kids likes yeah like no everybody's one, somebody in open yeah like every yeah every little every person that you see across the screen you're like oh that guy was like in hannah montana or so like it's <laughs> it's, it's really wild yeah so yeah, this one got backlash too for uh, I think think this was really brief, but for not having any Japanese people or like showing oh. the Japanese side of it too, I which is just kind of yeah. it's it's the same thing of like not showing. You know, yeah, it's the same thing. argument. Yeah, but in Oppenheimer, they also did talk people about just what don't people in Finland framing in films or anything. <laughs> Finland, <laughs> you can't you can't go over how something affects everyone. Too. You can't go through every country, guys. <laughs> yeah, There's some things just some stories are just about certain things that don't have to do with other things, and it's yeah, yeah, exactly. It's yeah, nothing, nothing that's malicious. a good that's a good yeah that's a good way to yeah. put it. It's also probably like three people on the internet that said this, and then it just got shared, and then seemed like there was actual outrage, but. I had like an argument. It's like this guy at a bar. It was like a friend of a friend, and he, that was like his main criticism. Criticism for Oppenheimer was like, you don't, you can't sympathize with like the actual people who were affected by this bomb. And I was just like, man, like, there's no I way. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you could. Actually, you can yeah, by just seeing like use your brain the, and think about history, but you're seeing the people who did it. It's like kind of the same as Killers of the Flower Moon because you're seeing the people yeah. who affected yeah. it rather than the ones who are affected, the ones who did it. You know, and which is more interesting. Like we, can yeah, you're see, telling. You're... I mean, filmmakers like Nolan and Scorsese, they want to like delve deep deeper into the 
implications of and the reasons why this is happening not just like trauma porn like that'd be boring like, yeah what's interesting about yeah. zone of interest is that zone of interest you don't see anybody in like jewish like getting tortured once I mean, that movie um, literally puts you in the shoes of the evil people yeah. like that's the if yeah, someone complained in, about that that'd be crazy in zone of interest but i'm sure people have but um oh and i also was gonna say uh i feel like maybe robert downey jr's getting too much uh accolades for Oppenheimer, I don't know. Maybe you guys disagree. No, I, I would agree. Like, I feel like I he's winning like a, everything. It's like a lifetime achievement sort of thing. Yeah, just... and Hollywood loves the man. I love him too. He seems like a. I'm not saying he's not good he's in the movie. But... Yeah, just like for Oscars, I don't think it's that great of a performance. It yeah, very... wasn't that. It, it wasn't even that like memorable. Really, yeah. yeah like there's yeah, nothing he's... like specific about that that stood out. He's very serviceable. I I would maybe even like I remember Matt Damon a lot more than <laughs> Downey in it. Damon I would like... love to hear that. He's he's very yeah. under, he's so under discussed in this movie, but he he's really good. He's so under discussed, yeah. but he's great. He's just really good in in this. Yeah, I don't think he should win the Oscar. I think it should be like Ruffalo or someone else. Like I don't. Yeah. Did Downey Jr. win for? Some award already. He won, go- he, uh, he, Golden, he's Globe. won the Golden Globe. He's uh, won the SAG. He's won the critics. Yeah. He wins everything for it. Well, you keep seeing him accepting oh, an weird. award, yeah. so that's why. Wow. I'm, they just want to give him status because he's RDJ. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it is weird. But he was Iron Man. You know, the people love him. Yeah, that is true. My number three is uh, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, which I was obviously hyped for. Um, <laughs> what, what is there to say that I haven't? Well, I think uh, what's amazing about Killers of the F- Flower Moon is it manages to be um, go after this like really uh, touchy, difficult subject matter and manage to also be kind of charming and entertaining at the same time. Like you, like there's a lot of moments where people laugh at this movie um specifically i think at the like the characters and like the hypocrisy of a lot of these characters and um and y- you know there's ben Fr- there's ben fraser like people are really giving these uh uh great performances that are like very like me- memorable in this movie um and I, I don't know. I just think uh, like it's such an accomplishment. I, I'd put it in like it's not only in like top three of my list for this year. It's probably in top three of Scorsese in general. Um, I feel like same with like Nolan. I'm like like I like the later Scorsese's a lot because I feel like they're just so mature. Um, and I thought the Irishman was an amazing accomplish- accomplishment, but I think Killers of the Flower Moon is on that level, but maybe even has just has like way deeper um, themes and is like more important overall to like uh, uh, like you know telling the history of this country and just being uh, uh, yeah. I think the Irishman might be more like a meta accomplishment for like his career because like it's a very familiar territory but killers of the flower moon might be like a bigger like cinematic accomplishment i guess more broadly yeah broadly it tackles like the most like 
one of the most unadaptable things you could ever adapt. And like the Irishman was like incredible, like in his own comfort zone. So I'm glad they're both. Yeah, like, he's branching out still, like we're saying, like it's pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like some people thought that I, I don't think there's that many complaints about it, but I I heard people saying it's like boring or something. And I definitely did not think this was boring. Maybe at times like very tough to watch as he's, you know, just keeping his like wife, you know, incapacitated and drugged out. And, uh, but yet the conflict, how it's conflicted. Cause he really does like love her and all that stuff. And he's just like a kind of like a stupid, like boy, <laughs> you know, Leo's character. Um, but yeah, I would. I I did not. I was not bored. I thought this. I think this movie's like also, while being socially very uh, prestigious, is also just very entertaining and like a really just really good movie. It is a good yeah. movie. Right. Uh, yeah, I'll that's go, number okay. three. That's your three. My number three also has been discussed. Uh, it is Poor Things, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Um, yeah, um, I my favorite quote on this movie is actually Emma Stone, which I think she won an award, and she said, she said like Bella is, she sees like Bella's journey as like a rom com, but instead of falling in love with a person, she falls in love with life. Um, yeah, which yeah, I that was really cool. Really, really beautiful way to look at this movie because she like I think this for Emma Stone's purposes, like this is probably, I could tell like the most attached and sort of involved she was in creating this character. And like, there's so much love and dedication put into like every frame of this movie and every sort of decision made in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like the whole design of this world is like impeccable. Like I think one of the greatest mm -hmm. achievements of filmmaking this year was like Yorgos and his production designer and the DP and just how they crafted this world, this kind of like alternate kind of, fucked up mirror to our world this almost kind of like self-reflection in this fantasy world and that's why i personally love fantasy movies like this because they are self-reflexive of our current state in our world that's not you know i mean some do hit it over the head pretty hard but i feel like this movie had this good balancing act of having very overt symbolism for our world but also maintain this incredible tone that yorgo set out to do um, and like Yorgos, I think he's just one of our more consistent guys doing movies now. Like he's just so he gets these bigger budgets. He works with all these movie stars and he continues to make just these incredibly weird kind of idiosyncratic movies that only he can make um, with, you know, themes and, and sort of storytelling that we all just low. We just really crave. I feel like he just he really hit a zeitgeist in the past few years. Um, and this might be his most like well-revered movie, and I, I, it, it, it's just incredible. And like, I think like the best next to like Oppenheimer and maybe Killers of the Flower Moon, like the best cast, or at least my favorite. I mean, like Willem, Emma, yeah. Mark Ruffalo is incredible. You, you have Chris Abbott show up. You have Gerard Carmichael, who's mm -hmm. a great comedian. Just like yeah. an onslaught of really cool people show up in this movie. Um, and yeah, like Emma Stone says, like, it's a movie that makes you kind of, it's like life affirming in a way. Cause it makes you look at these kind of simple, uh, uh, aspects that Bella sees the world and you kind of see it through her lens and you kind of reappreciate 
those things that she discovers. And I think it's such a beautiful, like wholesome experience if you look at it through that lens. So yeah, poor things. I, we all love it. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yorgos is now one of those people that I'm always excited to see whatever since the lobster. So it's like lobster favorite and poor things. I was just super excited to see them because um, it's, yeah, he just has such a, unique style and it's always going to be something weird and interesting that you're not expecting. And like Luke said about like the beginning, I was also like, what is this about? <laughs> what I can't even comprehend what I'm seeing, like with the, the yeah. animals, like, yeah, it's just, there's, yeah, but once you like get into that, that world and, and the story that it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really great. Yeah. Like what's amazing is that like, I I'm, I'm I was in the theater and it's like full and it's like the guy who makes like the weird movies like sells he sells out and he gets people to stay like obviously like say we're gonna stay for these for his movies but like other people just like regular people where I'm like I don't know how they've even found themselves in these seats I'm like they actually like I'm like, they're actually like putting up with this, <laughs> you know, and seeing where this goes. And uh, that's really cool that uh, someone who makes who's who's literally like in the weird genre or the idiosyncratic genre, like you said, uh, is a mainstream director. Yeah, he is. I mean, it's kind of a similar arc to Greta because he I remember seeing the lobster with you back in like 2016. And you're like, what is this weird dystopian just insanity that you're watching it's like so and yeah it's so i remember i remember thinking i'm like i've never seen anything yeah. like that and know? it strikes a, just a tone <laughs> and a vibe that you've never seen and to see him carry that over into like this movie's massive and just so inventive and like it's you could tell it's like what yorgos has been trying to make all his career it's like it was such a yeah thing. he's making more like him and emma stoner is a great collaboration like the favorite's great and they have another movie coming out like i'm like like mm. I like we said before, I'm glad she's working with weirdos because she's like I think yeah. she's a, she's a she's a very beautiful actress dressed up and like it, under the surface is like a complete she's like very weird in the best way possible. I think she likes to be weird, so let her be weird, Hollywood. <laughs> um, yeah, I love Christopher Abbott's like final scene. That was one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, scenes. Yeah. Yeah, like really great too. I, I, I like how that um uh, yeah the story went to that different place because you see obviously in the beginning like her jumping off mm -hmm. the bridge but um yeah you know as the story's going on i was just not really thinking about that because of all the weird shit happening on the story and then yeah coming sort of full circle with that I thought, yeah that was a great scene at the end chris rabbit was uh was also pretty entertaining um, such a good actor he's like yeah. everything you see him and you're like this guy's got the shit like he's got the goods yeah he's awesome yeah yeah that's my number three cool uh all right well my number two is blackberry uh <laughs> and yeah i'm i'm glad luke uh recommended this one months ago or whatever after seeing it so that pushed <laughs> that pushed me to see it sooner um and i gotta I, see blackberry I, man dude, luke was raving about it man 
It's just, that's how you talk to and he's the, he's the only guy I've heard talk about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> this is actually uh, this is a pretty amazing though because I watched BlackBerry on a plane, and Ooh. this is this is my viewing experience of Blackberries. I was on a plane. It wasn't an just. By the time I decided to watch that, and then by the time we like landed and, and everything, it wasn't enough time to finish it. Mm-hmm. So I literally went home that night. I was flying back home. I went home that night and I rented the movie just so I could watch the last like twenty five <laughs> minutes that I missed wow. on the plane. And I and we've talked about this before about like watching something we've already seen a thousand times like on a plane. Uh, like I, I just feel so crabby. I can't focus on. Mm-hmm. something new but this was a movie just immediately um locked in and uh it just yeah like that pacing is just so great it, it's yeah reminded me so much of social network which obviously we talk about all the time on here but uh um yeah uh, it just it was just a movie that i couldn't take my eyes off of um so yeah my number two and i also this is my introduction to matt johnson now who i guess is this cool indie guy that now i have to check out so yeah i recommend if you guys haven't listened to his interview with pete holmes it's a really good interview oh they they go deep into the making of blackberry and just like his whole nice philosophy of filmmaking cool nice he's such an impressive guy yeah and and he's like the third lead in this too arguably he's an amazing Um, actor yeah it's cool like his first two films are both really good and he's like the star of those he's kind of like a he's like a canadian cassavetes in a way like he's just kind of doing everything on set he's like such a he's just got film in his blood you know he's one of those guys and who was the there was another um like cameo in this where he had a he had a bigger role but he's like an older actor uh the guy yeah who's what's like that who's that guy again Jake? everyone he's michael like from Irons- some- michael ironside ironside like, right right the guy yeah. who used to work with like paul verhoven and stuff yeah i love yeah, what, uh, what like, else is he total in total recall he's or... in robocop total recall from okay. um, uh, starship troopers i think too yeah i oh, love okay, him yeah. it's so cool to see him show up yeah yeah, that guy will fuck up your engineering. Yeah, part. seriously, <laughs> he'll fuck it up. Yeah, yeah, that's so Blackberry. much quotable oh, line deliveries, too. Like the he's like screaming, he's from Waterloo, where the vampires <laughs> hang out or whatever. Like, ah, uh, this is such a good script. Yeah. I think, like, my favorite scene is I don't know, it's really tough, but like, one of my favorite scenes is when he like moves his uh glenn Howerton moves his like uh all his stuff into the company yeah. and he's yeah. immediately like changing everything and get off the fucking phone he's like we're that much in debt <laughs> and <laughs> and he like immediately gets on the line to go get this deal i i, yeah. I just love the like uh the juxtaposition of the very the tech nerds with someone who is like way no who's just like so immersed in the world of business and yeah yeah that's great my number two is uh the holdovers um my my top two are like very i just went very personal and subjective and like what do i really like to watch and uh yeah the holdovers fits that bill i love the personal down to earth 
you know, dramedy um, about like an anxious, like intellectual uh, professor who with a very kind of just troubled, uh, uh, and a forgotten kid who's all, who is waste who's also wasting his potential and the fact that these two are like learning from each other i you know just like a character um story that is really well done uh and uh, you know it's in the right and, and it's fit into the right setting uh and uh yeah i'll, I'll like in that's why it's it's my number 2 just like cuz i know like i'll i'll want to watch the holdovers um, I won't. I'll like. I'll hesitate before watching rewatching Killers of the Flower Moon. Same with Oppenheimer. I'll be like. I'll have to like really be like. Oh man, do I have that much time? Do I really want to be in that headspace right now? Like that's something you have to. Yeah. Those those you have to dedicate a, t- a day to. You have to like when, plan ahead, like a day and ahead. Like, yeah. If you're gonna watch Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. When the holdovers, I could easily just do it at like eight or 9 PM at night. And it will like, it'll, I'll be able to unwind. I'll be able to escape and also just get a lot emotionally out of it and have a lot of laughs and, um, you know, something that like is therapeutic for life. That's kind of what the holdovers is like, uh, uh, movies that make me want to be better. It's definitely like in that, uh, category. Yeah. Yeah, I feel, I feel like, I forgot to say this, but it reminded me of like a movie in the seventies, like Hal Ashby would make. Like the last yeah, no, that's so something. true. Yeah, yeah, Hal it's Ashby's just, a big influence on. This you're just stuff, like yeah. it's not necessarily like a quote unquote hangout movie, but it's just like his main goal is just to dig deep into these characters and kind of yeah, like organically have you discover like their kind of inner tor- turmoils and like just certain things like that and like I I just love that stuff so much just to see yeah that. even no, like that style like the look of it is very like 70s ashby yeah um, stuff like that so yeah no i'm glad that uh i thought this was gonna be like uh like a four star that i really liked and would have a good time and want to rewatch, but it ended up being like a five star that yeah was ended up being one of my favorites of the year yeah yeah, yeah i got those same feelings from the trailer i did not expect to, to like it as much uh, yeah pleasant surprise definitely good stuff my number two is is a movie called april october or i'm sorry may december <laughs> oh. <laughs> um i just think this movie is a masterpiece of film um todd haynes i think is up there with like Paul Thomas Anderson and the Coens as just mm. one of the most intellectually just charged filmmakers working today. Um, I know, I know people, enough people have just seen his work. Um, and I think if you go down more of his movies, you'll see just, he has such a particular style and such a, just an incredible outlook on human beings and just how poignant he is at just capturing just human beings and human nature in such a mm-hmm. very off-putting way in a lot of ways. And this movie just yeah. is the epitome of that. Um, as you were saying before about the um, the juxtaposition, I just loved of the whole like Hollywood versus rural Alabama um, because it doesn't really indict the suburbs. It's not like 
really making fun of middle America, but it is kind of like the subjective point of view and how kind of insulated it is and how different it is from a lot of our perspectives on it. And it has the whole movie is like about art versus artifice. Like it reminded me of like the character dynamics between like Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman reminded me a lot of like persona by like Bergman mm-hmm. and like Mulholland yeah. drive. It's like kind of this melding yeah. personas mm-hmm. kind of shifting in and out of their, each other's kind of like psyches in a way, like they're kind of melding together at one point. Um, and Charles Melton who plays the kid is like incredible in this movie. Like I love the scene where he's mm-hmm. smoking weed with his kid and like yeah. those two start to kind of morph together. Cause you realize like, they're not that far in age. Two, and, two, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. This, this guy has like this insane mm-hmm. arrested development. Cause like he got married or he, he got groomed when he was like 14 or some shit. Um, yeah, and yeah, he's just like nuts. Todd Haynes is just like so good at capturing like these very specific human relationships. Um, like if you watch Safe or Carol, like mm-hmm. they're so specific, but they're also so like at the same time so palatable. If you get if you like put your full attention to them, and like the, I feel like this movie is just like hitting on all cylinders. Like it's so funny, like the dialogue so sharp and like double edged. Where there's so many underlying meanings to like every line in this movie julianne moore and natalie are two of my favorite actresses and they're just incredible um and the music too like i've heard a lot of not we keep attacking other people but like people (laughs) complain that this movie the music's very like corny and kind of overly dramatic and like obviously that's the point because it is like this melodramatic sort of look yeah i love that part of it yeah Uh, like that's what makes the movie to me is is like this tone that he strikes and anyway yeah just i think it's brilliant um and it's it's for a while it was my number two one movie for a long time but something dethroned it pretty recently so yeah it's like game of thrones now who save that for next episode (laughs) may december very similar to game of thrones also (laughs) <laughs> may december is like the john snow of your list <laughs> all right i got an, a joke for i got a joke for when the, your number one is revealed well wait all right you're number one now john who is the the brand stark of your list <laughs> oh that's yeah that's good I, wow, I forgot until right now that that's what happens in the end. Yeah, I mean, you have to think about it because why the fuck would that guy be the... <laughs> yeah, I just remember I was like just forgettable. and yeah, It's so head-scratching, anyway. you know? Yeah. Um, still well, can't get my... over the ending of Game of Thrones to this still, day. Yeah. Let's stop the podcast right <laughs> now. I hope, uh, <laughs> I hope someone, someone that was listening that's really messing has, me up. Yeah. hasn't seen Game of Thrones and we just spoiled the entire show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't care. I don't care if you haven't if you haven't like seen it up to now and like spoiling it. Like, no, I think it's funny. It's oh, it's over. You know, it really doesn't even matter who who it is. That's not the point of the show either. Like, I I don't think people care as much about the Iron Throne stuff. It's that's interesting why they made such a big deal about it because they could have left it like ambiguous too. Even in uh, like The Sopranos, I don't know. Just start playing. Don't stop John, believing. John Snow. <laughs> yeah, they're just sitting there drinking wine. <laughs> don't stop believing. Well, I guess we will never know. We don't know, but we've yeah. had some good times or stuff, stuff like that. <laughs> and it just ends ambiguously. 
Yeah, but weren't those first six seasons great or whatever? Yeah, it's um... <laughs> that'd be a really cher a great cherry on top if they ended the show ambiguously. Yeah. <laughs> how That's how all HBO shows end. No, yeah, <laughs> of course, <laughs> just cut to black. <laughs> well, I guess with that said, my uh, your brand, my brand Stark. Stark is poor things, but we talked about it, so I, just, I don't have to say anything. No, I'll still say something. <laughs> so, about it. I don't really like. So I really don't. I don't know. It's I like stupid. It. I, yeah, I don't I know much about the movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't even really like it that much. It's just my number one. But um, yeah, poor things. I mean, uh, of course, Emma Stone as just like this. I was thinking too, just while watching it, that it's like it's silly to see a, like an adult being treated like an adult, even though they're like in this child brain because when you're a child like people treat you differently right um, but it's like it's like, like your body is like the difference you know it's yeah exactly really where yeah. you are inside yeah so i just thought that was really like it's it's so ridiculous and goofy and and silly but then it's also like this really interesting uh like look into how someone acts and behaves as an adult in the adult world when you know, usually as a child, you're in your own child world. You don't really understand the realities of a lot of things, and uh, um, so yeah, just kind of going through that, and then also how other people respond to you as, um, yeah, as that child in this adult body. Yeah, it's just really just a bizarre, strange concept uh, that uh, is just so like Yorgos. Um, and I actually remember when um, in the early days of the podcast when we were talking about The Lobster and I didn't even know like who Yorgos Lanthimos was. I just seen the movie and Luke, you were telling me about him. And then it was like, wow, so this guy has like other weird movies like this. And so, <laughs> yeah, like we were talking about before too, I, he's just someone I'm always going to be excited to see it. Even if I m might not like it as much as something like this, it'll always be something weird and interesting to uh, at least enjoy so yeah glad there's glad there's also weird stuff like this coming out this year yeah That's i like the one the fact that she like i love the scenes where she's trying to integrate with high society and she's just kind of it's it's like her she looks at the world so transparently and just like why can't we have sex all the time and just eat and dance <laughs> and all this stuff and like there's so much it's like say if you were a kid that, and yeah. you were suddenly given all these adult yeah. hedonism things you would be like yeah. that you know? she has yeah. no rhyme or reason to why like it's looked down upon in society and it's like it's very like broadly told but it's also like it's so effective because it's like a fable it's like a fairy tale you know so like it just hits just hits deep when she's like dancing with ruffalo like really aggressively yeah yeah it's <laughs> so so good one of the best scenes too yeah yeah all right, All right um, my number one is Blackberry, because uh, like I said, I'm just picking off of I, I'm picking what I like, you know, and uh, I enjoyed this uh, so much. Uh, I, everyone, people who listen to the podcast and keep up would know that I like am obsessed with the social network, and so when I saw this and it was borderline exactly like it just with a different piece of technology and a different cast i just couldn't help but be like yes more talks about starting a company more electronic music more like innovation more like stories of innovation 
Um, and then, you know, I'm like a big like Steve Jobs head too. So when like there's the scene where he unveils the iPhone, I was like, oh my God, that too. I remember how that happened. And uh, it's like, oh, it's a crossover with the Michael Fassbender movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. And like Jake said, it, but yet it's leaner. It's kind of like in ways, it's kind of weird to say that this is like a humble movie but in ways it kind of is a small like, movie yeah yeah it's like kind of small and it's but it, like it has like glenn howard in it who is you know clearly not a humble character but i think this is like unlike say you if you watch like the social network which is like bouncing around timelines which is just like you have to like be on adderall to keep up with all the dialogue in the social network blackberry on the other hand is like way more easygoing but also is like in that social network genre that it created uh so there's something in ways like more digestible uh and uh yeah i love the whole arc of like you know in china they make these cheaper so now they have all these ringing noises in it and he says he's never gonna do that but then like uh, the capitalism ideas take over in his head and he becomes so attached to that that he uh, drifts off from what he originally wanted to do, which is like make quality products. I feel like it's just a never-ending classical American like story. It's not even though this is Canadian. It's it still to me is kind of like an American story, like American the theme story. Yeah, yeah Amer American capitalism theme Rooted story. American that, capitalism for sure. Yeah, that just never. Uh, it just never gets old. Like stuff like this. So. Yeah, and then Glenn Howerton to be in a role like this is just—it's been needed. I think it's overdue because we is. we all know he like kind of is the in ways he's the unspoken lead of that show. He is the one doing maybe the most like heavy lifting, you would argue, and is driving a lot of a lot of it. And uh, yeah, he's definitely had the chops to do a lot more, and this really. <laughs> really gave him a lot he's so memorable in this i ever heard charlie day said something like he was like he was waiting like 10 years for someone to let like len howerton outside of sunny like go full out and like let him off his leash and do it and then all the sunny guys were like so happy with blackberry because like they knew he's like one of the greatest like character actors in in hollywood and like this is like hopefully he gets to do more stuff like this now because like he's so just electric in every moment. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I don't think I, I don't think he gets uh nominated for anything, right? He hasn't. I was hoping he would get some like he'll probably get like an indie spirit award or something, like nomination. Yeah, right. Like he I'd love to be... see him get something, just one thing. Yeah. You, you know? can't watch this and be like he's he's like it's better than Robert Downey Jr., but like he's not as well known. So like he should be yeah. up there like with yeah. all those other guys, you know. For me, in, 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 for me, a fantasy would be like, say, Blackberry winning like Best Picture over like Oppenheimer <laughs> or something. It'd be, like it'd be like it'd be like us three like cheering and everyone else in the country would be like, what the fuck is the happening? biggest brothers would be like the biggest travesty in the history of <laughs> cinema, you know, of the Oscars. But for me, I'd be like, that is co the correct choice. That is right. That is appropriate. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be awesome. But but it's not necessarily like the moonlight to 
to Oppenheimer's La La Land or whatever you, <laughs> analogy you want to make, whatever film you want to choose. Yeah, it becomes like a Moonlight situation. Where and and I don't think it's going to be... The yeah. real movie, it's actual cinema. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be one of those things where as time goes on, either while like five years later, like, God, Oppenheimer's like total trash and Blackberry really is the <laughs> only one that holds up. The only one that holds up is Blackberry, Barbie, yeah, it's and a wild Oppenheimer were actually trash. <laughs> they didn't age well. I don't Blackberry think Blackberry is just way more niche, also. It's, I feel like, yeah, to people like us. So it's, yeah. It's yeah. really not like the best movie of the year. It's just like what movie I want to watch more and like, uh, yeah. And it's just like, I, I want to give it, you know, it's uh, flowers because it's not going to get it from anywhere yeah. else. But here. <laughs> we'll see how many bummies it wins. Maybe it might overtake. Yeah, see, maybe we can have the fantasy at the That's bummies. Right. Of... Best movie of all time. What if like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, who knows? Like Glenn Howerton. Glenn Howerton could be so desperate for the awards the campaign that we could, yeah, he'll come to the bummies because he wasn't invited to anywhere else. <laughs> That's right, yeah. It's going to be Matt Johnson for best director, <laughs> yeah. Jay Baruchel. Yeah, there you go. Best cinematography. Ever, Glenn Howerton for best non hair. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, but, bald. <laughs> he. I think he counts for the best hair just because he's like you notice that he doesn't have hair like throughout the movie, so it comes yeah. full circle. It's a best hair. Yeah, in our in our True. in our ruin. <laughs> the I love it when got. he like buys the ho hockey arena and uh he's just like making all these absurd yeah. changes. Where that guy's like, like, we can't do that, and he just keeps talking. And he's like, we're not going to have basketball here anymore. It's going to be all ice. <laughs> and then it's like, we and have like, a deal with like the Philadelphia 76ers. Or <laughs> yeah, or something like that. And then he wants to like tear out like the 200 something in the 200 level that is like very essential to like the structural capacity of the building. He's like, that's going to be my personal box. Yeah. <laughs> Just insanity. Yeah. All right, I guess I'll do my number one movie. Um, I realize every time we've done this podcast together, my number one is always a movie that you guys haven't seen. Um, and I'm going to continue that tradition. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, As always. My, my, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very limited release right now, but I, I'm hopefully going to sell most people on seeing this movie. It's, it's called The Taste of Things. Um, starring Juliette Binoche. Um, and it's a French movie about a pair of cooks. They're like really well-renowned cooks in France. Um, and it's such a simple movie. It's really just about them and their partnership and, and them cooking meals for well-renowned critics and chefs. And it really just is a movie about like what creativity means in a relationship and how you should like how nurturing it should be. Um, and this is just the best movie I saw this year in terms of like how it made me feel. It like exhilarated me the, there's cooking scenes in this movie that I think I told Luke this, but it feels like, like there's one that feels like an action sequence, like the camera work, like it's so kinetic, but it's also so like calming at the same time. Cause like Julia Pinoche is so composed and she's just like developing these flavors and like, there's like 30, 20 to 30 minute uncut, like 
sequences of cooking in this movie that are just like will take your breath away. And there's one that's just so delicate and so quiet where this guy's like cooking a meal for Julia Pinoche when she's like under the weather. And I was like borderline in tears because like it's just like there's very little dialogue said, but yeah, it's just like a very sensory experience. And for me, like movie making is best just suited for imagery and sound design and music and this the stuff that's unsaid like the kind of implications you can make while watching movies and this movie is such a kind of canvas for just beauty and and art and and food and and just like pleasure and all this stuff like it's just like it's the movie that you, i saw this year that made me just love movies the most because it made me escape the most and made me just feel things the most and it's just beyond beautiful. And if it's playing in a theater out there, you got to see it, especially if you're a mm. lover of the cuisines, the finer things in life. Um, it's it's like not only I think it's like the best achievement in filmmaking I saw this year because it just transported me. But it's like it's like the most, just plainly the most beautiful movie I saw this year. So, yeah, that's that's my number one. I think you guys both would really, really like it. Nice. I also saw that trailer um, a couple times along with the, like how I, how I was saying I saw the Wim Wenders uh, trailer and that yeah it looks looks really good and uh, I love the food movie genre like I remember that Criterion uh, like uh, collection that they had where it was yeah. like Tampopo eat eat drink man, man woman, woman and like Bobette's um, feast big night like it's up there with all of those is like yeah big night is another it's, yeah like it's top probably like three or two food movies ever made like i it's unreal and my mouth's watering just thinking about the food in that movie about the roast <laughs> pork <laughs> the roasted duck that they the roasted duck yeah. glazed with balsamic and cream fresh or something it's yeah, like the, yeah the food in the movie like when it's being prepared like it, she's not even no one's really commentating like what you're seeing it's just like you see like you see your sprinkle of salt you see every step of the process sometimes Ew. it's like you, you're just holding your breath i feel like it's we gotta go like, when like you see that you gotta go eat somewhere michelin star or otherwise you're like very unfulfilled after the movies no i mean done. like the movie doesn't necessarily yeah i mean sort of it's, it becomes so <laughs> It becomes so much more like after like the movie fulfills you. That's the thing. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to explain. But once you're over, you like you felt like you died. The movie literally fills you. Yeah, it fulfills you so much emotionally and creatively. You're just like, I'm good. It's like you ate the food. I could go. It's like, yeah, that, that's the thing. It's that's like going into about. Willy Wonka's factory. It's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, so I really want to cool. see it. Um, maybe I'll, mm. uh, I'll, maybe I'll be able to see it in theaters, and probably the short time it's gonna be there. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the list. Oh wow, yeah, that's the end. All right, well, so my least favorite movie of the year <laughs> is The Pope's Exorcist <laughs> <laughs> with Russell Crowe. Mine was, I just uh, added that to my list on Peacock or whatever it's on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I actually want to see that one. <laughs> my mine was Five Nights at Freddy's. It was easily the uh, worst piece of shit. Uh, I did not like that one either. <laughs> yeah. Well, Five Nights at Freddy's was my second to last, but my last was I, I feel like 
I should change this just because I feel bad, but it's 80 for Brady. Um, poor, those poor uh, women, dude. Those poor old women. They're just doing their best. Um, <laughs> well, hey, what about the no, men? I, what about the men who love Tom Brady? Yeah, what about us? What about us guys? You know, that's what no, I was thinking but, uh, about. Eighty for Brady. The young <laughs> not the, men, not the old women. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh, I do love all those women. They're all very likable and, and great and they actually are kind of funny in this but um yeah i guess it's it's my least favorite of the year wow but i haven't seen everything <laughs> yet <laughs> throwing lily tomlin and all of them under the bus yeah yeah and you saw I'm that in theater, theaters too you saw that in theaters oh you saw that in theaters right oh no i saw that um I, that was one that my my family was like visiting and we had just like been out and doing something all day. And then they were like, let's just like get takeout and watch a movie or whatever at home. And then we watched 80 for Brady. Um, and you were like, and yeah, bottom of but, my letterbox list. Yeah. With, with that being sort of like one of those movies, I definitely was on my phone a bit more. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely not worth being the worst on my list. So I'm surprised to see that, that I did that. But yeah, um, but yeah, it was not a good movie at the same time. So, yeah. Also, you people with Jonah Hill is like really awful. That's oh. like right outside the. Yeah, that was that was like an. Early I haven't seen one. that one yet. Yeah, not great. Leave the world behind and like Saltburn are maybe like the most well-known movies that are like um, yeah. on my least favorite movies of the year. Did you Others see six, are... 65? Did you see that? Yeah, that one yeah, that's, too. That's down there too. Was that like Adam Driver or something? Yeah, yeah the dinosaur the movie. Fights the yeah. dinosaurs. That's like the most sleep-inducing movie of the year that I could think of. Like I, yeah, yeah, I could barely stay awake for that. I don't remember anything from yeah, it. I could like, not tell you. <laughs> the, it was like nothing happened. You know. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of good movies too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, wow. Well, that's uh, yeah, that's that's our top ten. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we'll we can uh, get together and do some bad movies, and then we'll be, but we'll then we'll be handing out the official awards, and where not only we but you get to choose who wins. If you also think BlackBerry should you know win you know big movie awards then this is your chance um you know maybe we'll even campaign uh for the, the nominees or whatnot i don't know yeah yeah you'll like endorse blackberry right and luke and i approve for your consideration oh black if now if blackberry wins a bunch of bummies people might think that it was like uh, there's collusion. There's like an inside job. Oh, right. Yeah. We rigged right. the elections, yeah. And then that might yeah. that might slow us down for a for a while because all <laughs> all of our episodes will be investigating that. Hey, but that any publicity is good publicity. So that's we need that. We need. There's a scandal, no bad publicity. You know? Yeah, as yeah. you can see, as you can see, you can be uh, indicted for something and you could still run. So maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. What if we uh, single-handedly got Glenn Howard's in like an Oscar nom just by by spamming people 
with the yeah. Bummy Awards. <laughs> like, they have to squeeze them in now. And then we'll just take over for the only legitimate awards. Because in, in the Bummies, there are no snubs either. <laughs> there are no we'll snubs. Get, we'll get Joe Coy to host <laughs> to give him a redemption. There are no snubs. Yeah. People just don't get an award. <laughs> yeah. It's not... It's not binary it's black and white like that yeah. you win or you lose 